When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk, the podcast for knife makers and anybody with an interest in knives. Hosted by myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and Mareko Momassi of Momassi Fire Arts. We're here for you every Monday with a, a brand new show. Hope you're all doing well. So, guys, how's it been? What's the week been like for you? Let's start with Mareko. Let's start with me. Uh, I've been making a lot of ice cream this last week. Nice. <laughs> nice. Doing nice. I, I got this, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I got this great book by this woman named Jenny Brittenbauer, who's a uh, ice cream maker from... Columbus, Ohio. Uh, she owns Jenny's Ice Cream, and uh, yeah, I've I've been making ice cream this last week, and it's it's time consuming, obviously, but it actually doesn't take that much uh, like ingredients for ingredient wise. It's pretty. Have you got a machine like a, like a churning machine thing? Uh, I have like an old fashioned like hand cranking thing, which is fine. Everybody bitches and moans about hand crankers, but it takes it only takes like twenty minutes. Um, so if you're sitting watching a show or something like that, it's, it's done like halfway through the show or something like that. Right. Yeah. But, um, I made a, uh, what did I make? I made a, a banana ice cream and then I made a uh, butterscotch shell that goes over the top of it. Oh, dang. Which was, <laughs> like, look at you. Yeah. Look at you. Well, salted? in the shell. So no, it's this one. It was not, uh, salted. Mm. Um, but it, uh, the making the shell so it's the kind of like it, it you pour it on and then it hardens kind of like yeah. kind of like it, yeah 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 it's it was so easy you, to you, do. craig is getting so frothed up you can hear yeah you had me a hand <laughs> i was talking about the shell i was trying to figure out how to make a jerk off joke and i could not figure it out it's the hand could not That's figure what it out. Was. <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, but it's it's super easy. You take a bag of whatever chips you got, white chocolate chips, uh, chocolate chips, butterscotch, whatever, and you put it in the pan. You put it on a, like a low, medium-low heat and let it come up slowly, and then you add like a half cup of uh, – I used coconut oil. Um, but, yeah, it, it's beautiful. It's yeah. so easy, and you can – and it hardens up when it cools down. You put it in the cupboard or in the fridge, but just to heat it back up, you just put it in a water bath. And uh, again, on like medium low heat, and it comes right back up and softens up again. You can pour that over the ice cream. We've had that last couple nights, and super delicious. I also made wow. a uh, straw. What was it? A strawberry, Greek frozen Greek yogurt, and wow. and a watermelon lemon sorbet. And Jeez so Louise! We, 
You get, well, you get a ice cream arts a new wardrobe oh by the end of the month. <laughs> no, 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 I've been taking it slow. I've been taking it slow. I the I reasoned it uh, like, oops, I just dropped my phone. Anyways, uh, I I reasoned it to myself. Yeah, I used to bake cookies a lot, and when I bake cookies, I eat like half a batch the first day, <laughs> which is awesome and then i feel disgusting like a fat hog by the end of the day <laughs> and i always swear i'm never gonna do that again. do that again but i do that every single time uh and these last couple nights we've just had like one scoop of ice cream and there's actually less sugar that goes into the ice cream than goes into a batch of cookies hmm. um so i felt i feel good about it but yeah. other than that uh knife making's going good <laughs> i'm glad that we were talking about ice cream um Knife making is going good. I got the stainless steel knife I forged out uh, out of damascus steel. It is it was a bitch to do that, but it's come along well. I'm working on the handle now. Um, I'm doing something different that I've never done before regarding the spacer and how everything is kind of arranged in there. Um, I'll let uh, I'll talk probably talk about that later as as it comes along and is actually successful because I haven't finished it yet. For all I know, I'm gonna have to rip the handle off and start over again. So I'm gonna save that. Um, and that's I guess regarding knife making. That's basically it. oh you know Steve Schwarzer just actually I was checking out Steve Schwarzer's new website. Uh, our friend Andres Kalani. Uh, helped him put together a really good website it's awesome it's cool and he's got he's putting up his own like steve's kind of educational content and videos and stuff and he's just he's he i i love that steve is in his i think he's in easy his... careful you know whatever it is you gotta back he's it a off legend. a little bit you gotta back it off a little bit Don't... he's a legend he's been around for a long time, go. since the beginning and uh and so uh He's just got so much to share, and uh, so it was really cool to check out the website, and um, yeah, and and it's got like his whole history and stuff, and kind of like the conversation that we had with him a few episodes back. Uh, I think it goes a little bit more into detail about his history and how he got started and all that kind of stuff. It was it was really cool to see that because it's like looking at a, a website about historical stuff. I've started following a lot of history uh, Instagram. Um, pages and, and it felt like i was looking at that and kind of getting some of that information that way so it was really cool hmm. he's, he's a colorful past man with, with his with his flying and his weightlifting and all right. that kind of stuff crazy yeah it's crazy. wild hmm. super cool what about what about, you, what about Jeff? you guys uh i got a little work done and then uh i cleared i clean up my office area which kind of really helped me in terms of getting more organized i was just kind of all over the place i had a layout table that i would turn into like this big office area and I was like that's not what I meant to do so I cleaned that up to gotten a little bit more um organized but actually I had to get some uh kydex stuff I had to get some more kydex stuff and I ordered some kydex and what I try to do normally if I kind of look around to see what's going on and you know I look at the uh, uh the foam pads they have and sometimes they they start to you know lose a little bit of the you know, the give. So I, sometimes I'll buy new pads and stuff and I was just kind of scoping around and I ended up buying one of those steel, uh, framed Kydex, uh, kit, uh, presses just to see how it was. And then I also bought a, um, a, a pair of dies, you know, for the, uh, uh, the eyelets, you know, eyelets, the way you, you know, buy the eyelets and there's one finished side and it's like a tube and then you put it through the yeah. hole and then you have a pair of dies. So I tried out a new pair of dies that I wanted to just kind of mention, if you, especially if you're doing um, uh, Kydex. They're called flaring dies. Mm. 
and this was new to me. I just got a, um, the kind of dies I'd gotten was one long, um, like, like a piece of steel with a, a rounded end and it's got a little bit of flare. And then you have those, the bottom die, which is like the size of a quarter and it's thick. And then it has the, so you put the, the, uh, eyelet through your, the hole of your kydex, you rest it on the, on the, the bottom anvil or die or whatever. And then you use your arbor press or your drill press. So what a flaring die is, is it's two dies and it's like 30 bucks or something like that. And there's like a male and a female end and you put the female end into your uh, arbor press but I'm going to do a little trick on that. And then the male end goes into the top press. And what happens is, is with, with a lot of these eyelets, they'll flatten the, the bottom end, the flaring dies roll the bottom end. So it makes the bottom end look almost as good as the show end, the, the nice end. So I was very surprised. And what I did was, is I don't have an arbor press. I actually use my, for eyelets. I use a drill press. And then when you look at those flaring dies, they have like a three eighths. Uh, uh, it fits into like a three eighths or something uh, hole in the arbor press. So I just drilled a three eighths uh, hole into a piece of th- uh, three quarter steel, and then put it in my drill press. And then I put the male end into the chuck of the drill press, and I used it exactly that way. I was stunned at how nice it rolled over these those eyelets. I mean, you're gonna say, okay, who the fuck cares about a, you know eyelets and stuff like that? But it actually just made it. It was this subtle, tiny difference that just made them roll over nicer and they look better. And I actually was I, I usually kind of chat with Jonathan Porter. He's he's and uh, and I, I was talking. I said, you ever get these flaring dies? And he goes and I looked at I have a, he gave me a small like a little uh, bench knife with a Kydex sheath. And as I'm telling you, I'm looking at his I'm looking at it. Of course he does. I'm looking at it. I see it right there. Yeah, because yeah, this is the same end. So I was super pumped about that. And that was. You know, I got a few work pieces done. Um, I fucked up. I fucked up a handle that was made out of stabilized redwood. I don't know if you guys ever use stabilized mm. redwood. Yeah. The you know the red. It's beautiful. It's got incredible chatoyance. It's got really great. It's got a lot of. They're they're beautiful. I love stabilized redwood. I've used them now. Well, on two knives. I destroyed. I destroyed one. The 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 something to do with the grain that they it just they kind of separate they split so if you're if your drill bit isn't sharp enough you can act they're very fragile they become very fragile so i was using uh i was um, using redwood and i broke the first handle and i had to dig into the second handle and i got lucky but uh yeah just getting a little work done and blah 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 knife talk (laughs) so here we are craig how are you what's going on with you i'm I'm good. You know, it's funny you mentioned Kydex then, because I've just ordered a, a shitload of, of Kydex in different thicknesses yeah. and different rivets and stuff to do some experimenting, because uh, I mean, I think I mentioned last week that I'm going to do a small run of, like, bushcraft knives. Right. Um, and I'm, I've been sort of, you know, thinking how, how am I going to approach that and so on. So I'm just going to do a bunch of, I'm going to do 10 to begin with, make them, then put them up, see if they sell, and if so, I'll do, I'll do a larger run. But um, obviously, being a bushcraft knife, it's going to need a sheath, and my normal chef knives don't come with a sheath. So, yeah, so it's, it's getting things in place to, to do the Kydex on them as well. So, yeah, it's good to know that there's, um, you know, a better way of... Because the, the press I've got for these rivets, it's, it's almost like a, like a drill bit on top and, like you said, like a little anvil right. in the bottom and it just, you know, it doesn't finish the best. So, so right. yeah, so I'll, I'll look and see what other... Yeah, the flaring dies are... Flaring dies give you a better, a, a much better fit. And the thing about Kydex is it's all very inexpensive. 
Like I was, Very, I have, yeah. I've made my own presses and I just bought three quarter inch. Uh, they have different, different types of, of neoprene. And you, what you, the only thing you really want to do is you want to think, you know, when it compresses, you want it to compress completely. You don't want to bottom out on your press. So if it's like, you know, like, let's just say the thickest part of your handle is like three quarters of an inch. You want three quarters of an inch on the top, three quarters of an inch on the bottom. So when they meet, you're not pressing again. You, you know, there's still room and you're yeah. not like touching the press itself. But I was um, trying out the difference. Yeah, there's, you're not like, yeah, you're not getting like, you're not, you're, yeah, you have room. It, it's completely compressed and there's room for, and um, I was noticing the difference between the steel ones and the wood ones that I had. And I hadn't really, I didn't really notice a difference in terms of, um, you just, with the steel ones are good because you don't need as many clamps. Mm -hmm. because, I have a question. Go ahead. When you're using the press, um, do you have extra foam that you could throw in there if you are concerned um, that you you might bottom out? Did you, you get the the steel one where you can kind of adjust the height to it? Yes, that's a yes. I I actually have bought you know the neoprene. You can buy the pads and they're different sizes and they're actually apparently they're different materials. Like some of them. Uh, they're more expensive ones and they say that they're better. I'm not hundred percent sure. I totally agree. But, um, you can you, this one, it's the steel one I have, you would have to rip off the pads and I've tried the, there's two settings. There's one, there's the top setting and the bottom setting. You would have to rip off the pads and do thinner pads to get there because it's just too, it's not a, the, 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 the pads that came with this one were three quarters and three quarters. But if you put it on the bottom rung, you're never going to make it. It's never going to, it's, it's, it's going to, it's too compressed. You can't, you can't do That's it. Right. So, but for what, for the, the, the one, the one setting I have it on is perfect. But the one thing I like about the steel one is because it's like quarter inch steel, there's no flex in the wood. You know, if it's a wood one, sometimes mm. there'll be a little bit of flex. But with the steel one, you can do it with one clamp. And I like that. That makes it a little bit easier. Nice. Mm. Look, do, very interesting. Do you, We're doing Kydex talk. Fine. <laughs> do you wrap your blade in anything to give an extra little bit of clearance? I, I put blue tape on the steel itself mm. because I, I don't think – I just – Yes, I, th I think it's giving you a little bit of it gives you a little bit of room, but it protects the steel a little bit. Um, obviously, I don't worry about, you know, hot plastic scratching up my steel, but um, it gives you a, a hair bit, a hair of ex a hair. But the great thing is, is if you're tight and usually when you get tight with a kydex, it's usually by the choil or the by the uh, the knuckle. If you have, a, you know, the best retention ones have like a little knuckle guard. You can take a heat gun and heat it up just slightly there, and then what I'll do is I'll you can you know you can even use your fingers, but then I'll have a air compressor next door right right next to me on, and then I actually made the the retention tighter by using like a a, a, a push clamp, and then heating up with the uh, with heating it up with the uh, heat gun, using a little push clamp, and then immediately hitting it with um, an air compressor, and that kind of solidifies it up if your retention isn't good the best yeah. thing about kydex is you can fuck up you can fuck one up and then you can just heat reheat it back up in your toaster oven and you can you reuse it hmm. you know I, I i really like kydex I, I like i like it very much what's your, one more who's kydex, your kydex question source? well go ahead and whatever you want and i'm not the best at it i just i try to make it very simple and easy 
Um, I, I know there are guys like I know Jeremy from Simple Little Life does a really great job. I know Andreas Kalani two times you in one in the first in the first twenty minutes. Andreas, you got mentioned twice. Congratulations! <laughs> they do really beautiful jobs with um, Kydex, much better than I do. I'm wondering, Go do ahead. you put in a like for your hunter knives that you do? Do you put like a drip hole in at all? So if there's any moisture in there or they get wet, that the moisture doesn't stay in the sheath? Because I've seen people well, use matches and things. And I'm just wondering whether I should be. I, I think I'll give it a go and see how it turns out. Here's here, There's two different styles that people really do. There, there's the pancake style where you have two different pieces of Kydex and you kind of sandwich them together. Is that a pancake? A what? I don't Something like that. You know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. just two pieces. And then I know Aaron Goff does that where he's got two pieces and then he'll put a match in there just for the drain hole. But I do the taco style, which is like folding it over. And I like that because the, if, especially if the spine of the knife is, is at the fold where you fold it over, you're naturally going to have um, a spout um, because it won't compress, you know, like a Got crease tight enough. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be tight enough. I like the taco style too, because I want these, I want the sheaths to be as low profile as possible. Cause I, I actually just like, you know, to, for me, the sheath is almost an afterthought. I just want it to be there. I want to try to roll the sheath into the price. The mm -hmm. only thing I hate more than anything about the Kydex is because the way you put the clips on, and I use TechLock clips just because I think they're the nicest and they're the best. And when you get it, you feel like you got something. I've tried to make um, belt loops out of other stuff, and it just never really looks great. Um, the problem is, is you can't really mount the clips above the bolster, like where the handle is, Be mm, just because yeah. the way that, the, you know, it, it's, you know, it crushes in a little bit. I mean, I think there are ways in which, you know, some people do, you can do a standoff and then you can have a leather loop. But if you have this retention, it's really hard. You can't get it out, you know, so, but it allows you to wear the, the, the knife sideways. I actually started using, um, banding like, uh, kind of like uh, rubber banding around it so you can wear it sideways. I think Kydex is great, but at the same time, there are the limitations. And it doesn't look as classic as, I mean, leather leather sheaths, especially for a knife with like a, a walnut handle and brass rivets, just looks so much nicer in a leather sheath. But it's just, it's just right now, it's like, I need that and like I need a hole in the head. Shout out to, who's that? Who makes it? Um, oh, one of the great leather workers, uh, um, is uh soul craft you guys know soul craft she follows the podcast she she um she makes beautiful leather sheaths and aaron wilburn's daughter is is mareko what's her name francesca Ricci. francesca she, yeah yeah she makes beautiful sheaths too so yeah she shout does. out to yeah. the other workers she just did a sweet demo up at uh rick dunkerley's hammering um you should go check out her instagram she took lots of great photos of the event it was really cool I have a belt that she made a long time ago. I love it. I still wear it today. Nice. All right, there we are. Craig, what are you up to? Did we talk about? Did we ask you that already? We haven't. No. Um, All right. So, so, so let's go. Yes. Lots of um, <laughs> planning for uh, a bushcraft knife, which will be which will be coming soon. Um, but we've we've having lots of renovations done in the house. We were actually forced to leave our house for two days this week. And it was like, ah, oh, and the weather's changed a bit. And we were like, oh, maybe this is a good opportunity to take the kids camping. You know, we'll take get the tent out and it'll be great. And uh, 
But um, yeah, <laughs> as soon as we had as, as soon as we had that idea, the rain started. Uh, so yeah, so basically oh. the renovations they we've had to rip up um, some of the floors on the ground floor because the the main beams they need replacing and so on. So we haven't been able to go upstairs or to bathrooms and so on. So we had we had to leave. So we had to rent a house for a couple of days, and um, so I was just out of everything for a few days. There was there was hardly any internet. Um, so I couldn't get really much work done. Um, so that was, what was that? Wednesday, Thursday, um, got back. Yes. No, got back Friday rather. Um, um, the, I had the, we, funny enough, we mentioned it last week, my, my hardness tester, um, which is super, super, super heavy. Um, the, what I had it on, um, had collapsed. I, I, I built this like wooden shelf thing that was on oh, no. and it, it just it just collapsed whilst we were gone because uh you know the lots of vibration on the floor and all the rest of it uh but thankfully there was no damage it, it, it just fell sort of six inches onto onto a harder platform um so oh, what was it saturday okay. yesterday i welded up like a uh, like a table for it, like a pedestal table and um I'm not a welder. <laughs> I'm really not a welder, but um, I managed somehow to make something that's super, super strong and and will will hold the weight. So, but it was just lots of fun, actually. Just you know, it's only like a cheap stick welder, um, but yeah, it was fun to get that out and um, just have a play around. But um, yeah, managed to make something functional, which which I'm quite happy with. Um, stick welding is the hardest of them all, you know. Yeah, it's all I know. I've never done anything else, so I right. couldn't really compare it to anything else. But um, I just found that the first few times that I tried, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I was all over the place. I was shaking like yeah. crazy. And I think, looking back, I think I was too scared to touch the electrode, thinking maybe I'll get an right. electric shock or something. So I was just sort of <laughs> in in mid-space just trying to hold this stick. Um but yeah, I watched a few videos. So yesterday, I, you know, I had a good hold of the electrode so I can get, you know, almost as if I was writing with a pen. Um, right. And 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 it, it worked out okay. So so that was quite cool. Um, but but in doing that and moving all the stuff to try and find the welder and all sorts, I come across a box of um, of 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 wood of all um, like exotic woods and stuff. And I bought this probably about four years ago at a knife show. And it was basically a, a box of cutoffs of, 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 you know, stuff that they found on the floor at, at old mills and stuff. Um, and I put it away at the time thinking, oh, that'll be great when I come to use it. About a year ago, I found it again. I was like, yeah, I've got this. I'll put it here safe. And again, I lost it again. <laughs> but um, I, I, I found it and it's it's amazing. It's like some of the stuff in there. There's, there's some real sort of, most of it, I don't know what it is, but lots of really sort of highly figured stuff. Um, so I've been sorting through that. Um, and just the smell on it is amazing as well. But I've um, been sorting through that. And I'm now storing it in the in the in the like the wood fridge thing that I've got here, the temperature control thing. Oh, right. So I know exactly where it is. So now when I open up the door, I'm just, I've just got well, shitloads of wood there now to, to choose from, um, which is which is really nice. Um, what else? Uh, I mentioned the bushcraft knife, sort of finalising the design on that. Um, that's pretty much it, really, work-wise. I was out, I was out out of the loop for a few days. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been one of those really bitty weeks, you know, where you sort of start yeah. something and then you, you know, something stops you, so you need to do something else. And, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's all good. It's all yeah. character building I, stuff. I, I saw that post about the beam just floating there. It's crazy. Ah, uh, um, yeah. I also, yeah. I also just started following your house renovation too. Uh, page too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was telling you about yeah, I was telling Jeff about this earlier. So when we first got the house, I mean, there's so much history here in the house and so on. We thought, well, 
we're changing things up and you know we're not we're not ripping you know original pieces out and so on we're, we're trying to sort of renovate um but we, you know we thought it was quite important to sort of document it so we we set up an instagram account just for us we could take pictures um and like like lots of other things you know after sort of six months you just lose interest you're like well i'm busy i'm busy renovating i haven't got time to sort of document it so we sort of took our foot off the gas with it but um my wife has taken it upon herself to put more stuff up now so so yes, we've we've got a lot of changes coming to the house over the next sort of three or four months planned, um, and yeah, so it'll all be it'll all be shown on the on the Instagram. Have you found any? <clears throat> pardon me. Have you found any like weird tools or anything like that? I haven't, and the basement floor is like an earth floor, you know, um, yeah. and and just the few times we've had to move things because it's just full of full of old stuff down there. A few things times we've had to move things. We found like old shoes and old toys and things. Yeah um and there's lots of bottles of alcohol <laughs> um so it, it's, it's a thing around here it's something called eau de vie where they take um fruit and they distill it and it, it, right. it's you know it, it's proper proper strong stuff um so these are on all you know unlabeled bottles and things like that so you know just open up the the cork and smelling them is bad enough but um, yeah there's, there's lots of old stuff and I'm, I'm sure there'll be some old tools and so on but it's, it's one of those you know time things you know i'd love to spend a weekend down there and but uh, to be honest with you, he scares the life out of me down there. I don't like being down there. <laughs> you know, I mentioned that because uh, a friend of the show, owner Kaglar, dies in every film, was taking down the shed in his backyard. And he found an old uh, French-style uh, locksmith's hammer, you know, like yeah. a real forging hammer. And he did a video where he uh, re restored it. And it was, a, it, was, it was super cool that he found like a real – you know, a re not like a screwdriver or something. They found like a real tool, like a real mm. big old tool. And he did a really kind of neat renovation on that that he had found in his house. You know, yeah. you're, you're blacksmith and, you're, and you you know, he does a blacksmithing thing. He finds a blacksmith hammer, you know, an old blacksmith hammer in the back of the, the yard. That's just kind of like crazy. Mm. Well, so just imagine around, the kind of interesting things you find. Around here in the summer, they do these things called vide greniers, which are – um, basically like yard sales, but like the whole village will do it. So you go to a, a whole a village and, you know, it'll take you, you know, a couple of hours to walk around the village and everybody's selling all their old crap and right. <laughs> and shit, basically. But because it's there's so much history around here, some of the stuff is just like, it's just crazy. And the the French themselves, they, they're they not really into it. You know, it's just like, ah, it's just, a, it's just junk. But, right. um, yeah, it's just super interesting, especially going to see people's old tools and things. You know, you, you think, what the hell does that do, and how old is that? It's, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it is. It is crazy. But um, yeah, we're we're steeped in it here. So I mean, just just I'd say ten fifteen minutes away, there's a there's a forge here, um, which is one of the oldest forges in Europe, um, and it, it's it's like oh, a museum wow. now. It's like a museum there now. You can go there and look around, and it, you know, it's next to the river, so they use the river as you know, a big water wheel to you know to drive everything and so on. It's yeah, it's it's crazy the the history around here, but um, yeah, time unfortunately isn't on my side to sort of stop and right. uh, appreciate it. Well, I'm, we've still got a room in the house that I haven't been in because I'm too scared to go in. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a creepy house, let me tell you. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that was awesome. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, there, it, I, just last thing is, uh, you should, what's, the, what's the Instagram of, of, of the house renovation called? Is it uh, like, uh, Maison, Maison de Lockwood. Yeah. There's one picture that I just have a question about. Yeah, sure. You found some old pickles. I was going to ask, too. 
<laughs> There's a jar of like pickles that you found. Ah, they were in the kit. Yeah, in the back kitchen part. Yes, yes. When we first moved in, yeah. Did you yeah. try one? No, no. Uh, I, I did open it, <laughs> and it was just like opening ammonia. You know, my eyes just started streaming. It was oh, just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I certainly wasn't going to try and eat one. No, but I, I did want to smell <laughs> well, it. I would Curiosity definitely have tried it. Ugh, no. Can you imagine the fucking like bubonic plague botulism you'd find <laughs> taking a bite of that pickle Jesus. Yeah. i mean some of the stuff that you see in supermarkets here like the jars you can see like this is like an animal has been pushed into a jar and they've, they've sealed <laughs> the lid on it and that's what yeah. they're selling now so god knows what they were doing 100 years ago here <laughs> there's no way i'd be tasting anything jesus and i apologize for talking about any further plagues i'm not that was my bad sorry <laughs> Yeah, you don't need that. Um, Also, I watched last night um, 13th on Netflix. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen it yet. So talking about, you know, everything that's going on at the moment. Um, It's a documentary about the the 13th Amendment, which is uh, to do with slavery and so on. Um, Incredible. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's, yeah, it's some really sort of powerful moments in it. And I know we're not going to talk about that, you know, world affairs at the moment because... um, Apparently, some of you don't want us to talk about world affairs, but uh, yeah. but yeah, I th- I think maybe we'd all be in a bit inundated with everything at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a really powerful documentary. It's called Thirteenth on Netflix. So if you haven't gone and seen it, um, yeah. P.S. P.S. You got to see the Dave Chappelle thirty minutes on YouTube. That new mm, Dave Chappelle video is incredible. I, he's the number one. He's the number one comedian of all time, as far as I'm concerned. He's number one. Used to be Ricky Gervais was number one for me for quite a while, but. Dave Chappelle is like he's a, just a he's a captivating human being. He's a fantastic, fantastic brain, and he want, he's a wonderful human. He's a wonderful comedian. Is he just on a new that, live show it then? It's uh, he, it ain't funny. <laughs> you're gonna watch it, and you're gonna wait for a laugh, and you're gonna find one. <laughs> I mean, he's just a, he's just an incredible speaker, and he's just he's he, he was a, it was a riveting it was a riveting uh, a riveting show, and you should everybody should watch it because it's you know it's very true. You know, so, and P.S. And I forget P.S. Let's keep let's keep going. <laughs> don't worry about P.S. I don't want to do. PS I'm intrigued. Anymore. What's the P.S.? I'm intrigued. I mean, pe- <laughs> listen, people want us to talk about certain things, and I understand. I had a very good conversation with someone who was like, "Yeah, we, you know, we, this is, you know, we, we want to." I had a. I'm just sitting and I had a good conversation with someone who said, "You know, we're kind of hoping that." You know, knife talk is like a, 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 a oasis from what's going on in the world. And, you know, what I, you know, I got, the, I jumped ugly with him a little bit. And then he listened to me. I listened to him. I apologized for jumping ugly. And he apologized for telling how, how, how we should be running our show. Not so, the only I, one, then, Jeff. Not the, you've, yeah. been, you've been quite prickly with the comments this week to uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody DMing Knife prick- Talk. I've had to sort of just check in every now and again to make sure you're not you're not calling everybody fuckers. <laughs> Did I? Have I really been that bad? Well, I'm just telling you this on the air. We actually had this great, we had a great meeting of understanding and appreciation I did see that for one. each other. That, yeah, that was a good one. And then we had this great, we had this great moment. He was, you know, he and I both saw eye to eye at the end. And then Craig slips in and says, why don't you two get a room? <laughs> It was like he fucking destroyed a perfectly good moment. <laughs> Fuck me, but there man. Was Come those on, we need people asking like knife questions, and you were responding, "We don't do that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I do get a little short sometimes. I do get short sometimes. You're right. I'm glad that somebody's policing the police in this situation. Somebody's watching what I'm doing. It's very good. Yes. Uh, did I say that? <laughs> we don't you did. do that anymore. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Let's get quizzical. I'm going to throw a surprise quiz on you a couple of times during this episode. So, are we ready? Do we need buzzer? Do we need buzzers? You don't need buzzer. You're going to take it in turns to answer. Okay. Oh, okay. man. Surprise so, quiz. Exactly. So, there's a lot of points up for grabs. <laughs> um, Morocco's going to go first, then Jeff, then oh, Morocco, and then Jim. We'll bounce back and forth. Oh, man. I want... Surprise quiz. American states... The first 10 alphabetically. So of all the American what states, the, the first 10 alphabetically. Us? So Morocco can say one, then Jeff say one. We'll keep going until, okay. until you both run out, basically. So Morocco, one of the American states but in the top question, 10 alphabetically. Just, sure. just question. Sure. Is, it, is it based on the first letter or what do you have to do by the second letter? The first letter. Okay, good. First letter alphabetically. Okay. Morocco, have you got one? Alabama. Correct. Jeff, do you have one? Alaska. Correct. Jeff, Arizona. You're going nice. in the right order, too. God damn it. Yep. God damn it. Um, A's, A's, A's. I know the next one. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... Uh, 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 <laughs> it doesn't have to be in order. It just needs to be in the top ten, in the first ten. Um, I am. I'm drawing a huge blank. Is there a B? Is there a B state? <laughs> <laughs> Boo York, Bane, fucking <laughs> <laughs> Boo Hampshire. <laughs> I'm having a hard time here, guys. This is. I'm sweating already. There's there's another A. <sighs> okay, we're gonna have to give you a countdown. I'm gonna help you, Jeff. I'm God gonna help d- you. It's, no. it's the home of the. Where uh, where Lynn Ray does the teaching? Didn't you just say Alabama? No, it's in the middle. Arkansas, of the Arkansas. Yeah, baby. Ooh, just Arkansas. in time. Yeah. Well, thanks to Morocco, give me the assist. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Two weeks. Morocco. People Morocco, are screaming at their fucking eyes. California. California. What about B? Is no B? No B states. Yeah, they don't have to be in order. They just need to be in the top ten. But at the moment, oh. Morocco is like fully oh, in we... order. Morocco knows them we're... off by heart in order, I'm sure. <sighs> there was a song in elementary school that I still remember. Oh, jeez <laughs> Louise. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm ready to go. Connecticut. Yes. Oh, jeez. Delaware. Morocco, yes. Yeah, he's got a fucking song in his head. He's whipping the rest of them out. I'm having a hard time. This is, I'm sweating so hard. D, fucking D. God damn it. People are screaming at their phones. That's it. Morocco, back to you. Denver. That's Colorado. No, no, Denver's not. No, 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 no. Back to Jeff. Oh, yeah. Shit. I forgot that. Sh- I said I'm Colorado. So I just said Colorado. Actually, you, you were both wrong, so we stopped there. We stopped. So Morocco had one, two, three, four. Jeff had three. So four, God. three. And I'll run through them in order. You missed one out, by the way. So it was Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, right. California, Colorado, right. Connecticut, yeah. Delaware, yeah. Florida, Florida. And the tenth is Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia yeah. on my mind. There you go, boy. I didn't do very good at, at all, and I'm very impressed that you had that song. I know you were like, "I got this song in my head when I was a kid. I'm gonna win this motherfucker." <laughs> and it's then great. I said Denver. <laughs> well, look what happens. Look, I almost said Detroit, That's so stupid. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! There we go. And Even Heat are back to work. So, yeah, get in touch if you need one of the best ovens available. So, shall we do the main meat of the show? Because, contrary to popular belief, we do actually ans- try to answer um, listener questions. Hey, man, <laughs> can I ask you a question? This is the part of the episode where we answer your question, or at least we try. Uh, if you've got questions, send us a DM, and Jeff will reject you, and sometimes <laughs> we'll get through. Well, I mean, I, I may or may not write. <laughs> Apparently, I may or may not write. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. This first one. Oh wait, <laughs> Craig, do you have a, a a little clip you want to play? No. For DMs. How do you how oh, do you get a hold of us? If, ah, if you, wanna, of course, if you of want course. me to reject you? I'm a bit slow <laughs> on the old. Uh, Contact <laughs> us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. <laughs> That's the one. All right. This first question. <laughs> is from Connor McCrillis. He says, can you forge out of an even heat in a pinch? What do you guys think? Mm. The difference uh-huh. between a kiln and a... Go ahead, Craig, go ahead. Well, I, mean, I was just going to say, um, I would just say probably not for a knife because you need to keep the heat in and as soon as you open the door, the heat goes. But I did actually forge something this week using an even heat. So um, I, I made like a, like a fire pet um, out of an old steel wheel. Uh, you know, like a you know a, a truck wheel, um, but I what I wanted to do was have like legs on it, so it's up off the floor by just sort of six inches. So I took some bar stock, um, put that in even heat, and got it super hot, just enough so I could curl the end, so it made a little foot. So I did it only it was basically done in one heat, right. so it didn't have to go back in again. So um, yeah, in a pinch you can because um, I actually did it this week. Nice. There we go. The the good thing would be would be that you have an exact temperature that you want to go to. It's yeah. the reheating that's the problem. Like, I was thinking, actually, I'm trying to get uh, my buddy Cliff Dufton, who's stuck in his, in his basement, I want him to make me some, some, uh, some uh, spoon carving knife. And I was like, why don't you just not, you can stock remove the knife and then to bend it, just put it in the even heat. You know, just to, you know, to do the nice rend, uh, bend, you just mm. pick in the even heat and then hit it over the horn. So I had a thought about that in a, um, in a, in a pinch. What do you think, Marco? I do think it's possible. I think it's incredibly energy inefficient, though. Right. <laughs> I think on an industrial level, like I've seen videos of how actually Damasteel um, forges out the bars and stuff, and they're doing it out of an industrial kiln. Um, and that's just because it has a very specific range that you have to forge it in. Um, so they're using the kiln to do that. I think you can do that at home as well, but your electric bills is going to be horrendous. Right. Uh, if you're going to, because like Jeff was saying, the reheating, sure, you can forge, 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 but then um, it, to, to heat the piece back up is going to take another 15, 20 minutes right. to get back up to, to proper temperature before that thing's ready to beat on again. And that is time and electricity going out the window. You would so, have to like make like a little tiny hole in the door. That's the that's the thing about a lot of forges it. is the forges have uh, you know you can adjust the size of your opening. So the smaller it is, the less heat you're losing. Like I have mm. a fire bricks all I've made rails under my main forge. So when it's working, there's not a, you know it's not 
my NC forge, if the, if the doors open, I'm going to lose a lot of that heat. But if I have fire bricks on the rail, kind of keeping everything tight, my, my reheat on the forge isn't very much. So that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue is, is that rebound. And like you said, the energy can get you. That energy bill can yeah. get you. Next question comes from Daniel Bork. What's up, lads? Was wondering if you have some uncommon tool recommendations for knife making. Love the show and keep it up. Do you have any uncommon tool recommendations? Mm. Love this question. Um, Not I, that I question. You... Sorry. <laughs> you don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I suppose um, a laser thermometer, um, which I use for, we, we talked about last week, yeah, heating up oil to the right temperature. Um, a laser thermometer probably isn't in everybody's sort of toolkit. Um, they're pretty cheap. Um, and they'll, yeah, they can measure the, the temperature of, of your oils, that kind of thing. Um, but one little tip for that is make sure you do it without any sort of any like, massive light source that's reflecting the the oil so i generally turn the lights off to do it um simply because the reflection of the um the light on the oil will give you false readings because it's just the reflection that that he uh, that they use for the uh for the to, to 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 gauge the temperature so yeah turn turn the lights off and you'll get a better reading but um yeah one of those thermal laser thermometer things yeah what about you, Morocco? Anything, yeah. anything, anything unusual oh, that people wouldn't really consider to be a knife-making tool? Um, I used to use, uh, uh, so for isolating the my integral bolster from the tang, um, I used to use a, a guillotine of some sort. And when I first started, I didn't have any guillotine dies of any kind, or a guillotine like like the one that Cliff makes that goes on your anvil. I used a piece of uh, bent over, uh, it was, sorry, it was a half inch round stock. Maybe it was five eighths round stock. But anyways, uh, it had probably uh, an inch and a half bend in it. Uh, and then it kind of kicked back just the slightest little bit. But it basically was uh, kind of like a large hairpin um, that was probably about 14 inches long. And I used that um, under the, as kind of like a spring die in a way um to isolate the tongs or i sorry isolate the tongs isolate yeah. the uh, the tang material from the bolster material i eventually then built for my own press i built a guillotine die and it makes it super easy to to isolate but to get started it was literally just a, a piece of round stock bent over to help isolate that material which you never would have thought would have worked so well do you know <laughs> i does. actually that reminds me i've seen people actually take uh like whatever the radius of your bolster is going to be that uh, it's going to maybe let's just say for argument's sake, it's half inch. They sure. weld a piece of half inch bar, maybe like two inches onto a piece of angle and they'll do two, mm. two. So, so the, the, the bar is flat with one side of the angle, right? And then you put them both in your, you make two of them, you put them in the jaws of your, your, your uh, vice, and then you can actually drive it down to kind of clean up your bolster. Oh, sure. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that. Number. I think John Ariani was talking to me about that. Sorry, John, I ruined your spot. I will say that for me, an un, an unusual unusual tool that I use <clears throat> all the time for for bending foil when I'm making foil packets for the um, heat treating stainless is if you go to a um, like a painting supply store. If you stretch your own canvases, they have these uh, pliers 
and they're four stretching canvases and then they're not you know the the, the boss isn't very uh wide on a regular pliers but on these stretcher canvas uh, pliers they're like four inches so like it's like a very wide mouth and mm -hmm. you can actually catch more uh when you're bending over the foil to bend it over without kind of cutting yourself so i use that all the time and it's a it's a it's a stretcher it's for uh stretcher so stretchers stretching canvases and it's been my favorite um, set of pliers for doing that because you're getting you're, you're you're crimping four inches at a time and it's real nice cool definitely cool. something you wouldn't normally expect i've got another one actually just thinking of unusual things here um i've got like a motorcycle um brake bleeding kit and it's like a, this little sort of pneumatic pump hand pump um and i use that when i make mosaic pens so I'll put the the, oh, sure. the pins inside the you know inside the tube, um, then I'll put it into resin like a straw, like a drinking straw, and I use that that mechanical pneumatic pump just to draw really slowly to draw up the uh, the resin um, to you know to fill the gaps in the mosaic pen. So, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a good move. Unusual. That's thing. what I used to use when I worked for Bob Kramer, and I made his mosaic pins. That's exactly oh, what cool. we did. That's a, it's, that's a best way to do it. Actually, that could I, well I have been where I, I learned how to do it then from a video somewhere, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next add, I want to add one more. I want to add one more. I took sure, an old yeah. motor off an old grinder that I didn't want, and I bought one of those arbors that you put on there to turn an old motor into a buffer. You can just uh -huh. get those. You can get those little uh, whatever your buffing wheel fits on. You know, that just you know you just you screw it on, and it's great. Mm. I love those things. Uh, if I I'll have old motors, I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep buying those those things that's yeah. what i need to get next on the on the kit list is is a good uh buff uh, motor for a buffing wheel because mine is just but really... well, no, i need one i've got a shit one <laughs> oh. it's it, it's just underpowered and it, yeah i need, i want to get bigger you know the big wheels you see people have i want to get some of them some mm. bad boys yes anyway david Penn asks oh good, good, big, bigger sorry wheel. bigger wheels yeah <laughs> <laughs> bigger wheel that means that thing's moving way faster so yeah i suppose it's little, yeah it still gets a little scarier out there mm. just saying i've yeah. i've buffed on six inch wheels three inch wheels and and all the way out to like 12 inch wheels and the 12 Ooh. inches are, <laughs> are terrifying they are terrifying yeah yeah that that centrifugal sort of speed on the on the back yeah i can imagine yeah do you say centrifugal centrifugal is that what it's a centrifugal isn't it <laughs> oh yeah what you americans know you like say you. aluminum what so you know he what do you said know centrifugal yeah get your set <laughs> go ahead centrifugal what, what do you what, what do you call it you say centrifugal oh there's something wrong with you guys p.s everybody's screaming at the phones we we are the worst at uh oh i'm gonna bring this up we're the worst at pronouncing names but nobody's nobody gets it harder <laughs> I mean, nobody's name gets beaten up more than Mareko's because I'm getting someone is sending me screenshots of how YouTube close captions your name. And oh, yeah. I swear to God, I swear to God, <laughs> one of them, one of them, I'm going to just pull it up. He sent me, I don't remember what it actually was, but it, but it's, if you put close caption on any video that Mareko's in, one of them said Morocco Mama C. That's what that's what the, that's the mama Mor Morocco mama C. mama C. That's what it said. It was he's somebody's Great. been sending me these like screen caps. Like, yeah, you think you got it bad? 
fucking YouTube is destroying Mareko's name all completely. Morocco Mama C. Yeah. That's as bad as it gets. My entire life has been people butchering my fucking oh, name. I'm sure we do too. I'm sure we still do. It's yeah. fine. Mama C. That's going to be my new nickname. Mama I'm C. Really excited. Morocco Mama C. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> David Penn asks, uh, "Hey man, can I ask you a question regarding in, in integral uh, bolster transitions? When I get to sanding down the handle, how do I evenly sand the bolster and the handle scales on full tang? The handle material will want to sand down much faster than the bolster material, and I don't want to be left with a lip in the middle of the handle." So he's asking how to get a really smooth transition between the, between the wood and the and the steel. Right. What have you got, Mareko? I mean, even if you're so, even if it's not an integral, but you have like maybe large pieces of stainless steel or copper or brass or bronze or whatever at the front as your bolster uh, that are pinned in, and then it trans transitions down into handle scales. Uh, it's the same problem um, because the the wood or whatever the handle material uh, will remove quicker than the whatever the metal is. <clears throat> And my, the thing I've always found that works best for me is just to have some sort of harder backing uh, or firmer backing that helps blend that transition because um, instead of being allowed to dip down into the handle material, it stays, um, it stays against that hard backing. And so I usually use, I, I have a rotary platen, but you can actually do this also just on your... Uh, I used to do it actually when I worked for Bob. I used to do it on a four-inch contact wheel to help blend that transition there. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 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 rotary platen helps give that. It's what a rotary platen is. It's a series of wheels with a rubber belt running around it, and then your grinding belt runs on top of that. And so when you get down to those really fine grits, two twenty or above, four hundred. Uh, especially if it's a J flex, yeah, they can be really flexible and go all mm -hmm. over the place. And so having that firmer backing helps prevent from what I usually call undercutting uh, is the handle material being undercut from where that steel is. They're both being cut kind of at the rate that the steel or whatever the, the metal is, uh, is being cut. As long as you're kind of focusing kind of a little bit more of your pressure on the metal, then the the handle material being cut is just kind of a, a symptom of cutting the metal kind of on one side of the belt while the wood's being cut on the other part if that makes sense i don't know it makes a lot makes of sense, sense i have the hardest yeah. part on the underside the on the bottom sure. of the because yeah it's hard to get in there sometimes yeah. i i feel this pain the underside of the uh, integral bolster is the part that i have the most problems with mm-hmm because it's a tight corner in there. And right. what what's fortunate is the, the rotary platen. Um, and they're crazy expensive. I would never, I would, I, 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 I wish I could figure out a better way to do this without using the rotary platen. Um, but the rotary platen is really nice because it can still get in there and offer that support even in those tight corners, like on, on the bottom side of the bolster at the heel. Um, and yeah, I guess maybe I should try to figure something out. Okay, cool. Let's get quizzical. Okay, <coughs> Jesus. Get it. round Christmas. two of the quiz. Go Are ahead. Yeah, all the time. It's the same thing. There's going to be ten answers, um, oh. and you're going to take it in turns, going back and see who gets the most. <laughs> this one Jeff is, is so super excited. hard. If you, if either oh, of you, Jesus, so you can have as many guesses as you like. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> the top 
10 selling singles, musical music singles of all time. Of all time. Of all time. So a point for any of them in the top 10. I'm going to lose this fucker in the first one. So let's start with Jeff first. I'm going to say Thriller. Thriller. No. Whoa. Fucking kidding me? Maraca. And these are singles, not albums. These are singles. Singles. Bohemian Rhapsody? No. No. I'll give you both uh, another Christ. guess. Christ. Jesus Christ. This is the worst. This Can we just the, guess bands? I'm is so there any ACDC? <laughs> no. I'm going to stick with Michael Jackson and I'm going to say beat it. Uh, uh, Michael Jackson doesn't have any in the top 10. Fuck. Oh, boy. These are physical copies sold around the world. Physical copies. Morocco, back to you. Wow. This is like, this um, is an. Everyone's screaming at their phones. You guys are terrible at this. Dancing I've already... Queen. Dancing Abba. Queen. Abba. Abba. Now that's uh, out of control. You're out of control, Abba. No, no. Damn it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you now that the the most recent one in the in the list of the top 10 was 1997. That's the most recent. So these are mainly much older songs. The earliest being 1935. Oh, oh, so, <laughs> oh, so wow. the latest one is 1997. Exactly, that's the most recent. That's made the that made the uh, the top ten best-selling singles of all time. Back to you, is... Jeff. Oh, back to me, Jeff. Back to me, Jeff. Wait, how many guesses are we going to get? We single. I mean, this is a, <laughs> we're getting fucking we're getting buried. We're getting buried until I'm, you until you submit. I'm going to I submit. I'll submit that I I'll my uh, I'm going to go with uh, jump around from House of Pain. God no. God, I don't know. No. I'm telling you, I'm fucking terrible. I don't understand. You don't get me. I'm stunted music. Okay, I got one. <laughs> go. I'm, I'm going to say that 1997. Hypnotize, Notorious B.I.G. No, no, Damn no, it. no. Look at you. Look at I you think going. we'll scrap this. I'll just tell you the answer. <laughs> this Zero, sucks. You both zeroed out the two of you. Terrible. Yeah, awesome. That was awesome. Jeez Louise. That's really good. So 50 million records sold is the number one. Released in 1942 with Bing Crosby and White Christmas. Get the fuck oh, out of here. Every year. Every year. Um, second was Elton John, Candle in the Wind. Uh Number three was Mungo Jerry in the summertime. This is this oh, is wow. some bullshit. This is some Bing bullshit. Bing Crosby, number four, again, Silent Night. Bing. Uh, wow. Bing, bing. Number five, Bill Haley and his Comets, Rock Around the Clock. Number How six, did you think we would get any of these? I know. <laughs> I, I just assumed you'd get one or two of these. So. I mean, it's like we're not even in the right category. Go ahead. <laughs> six was Whitney Houston, um, I Will Always Love You. Okay. All right. um, then Elvis Presley, It's Now or Never. <laughs> and then oh, the USA for Africa song. Anybody remember what that was called? Yeah, it's We Are the, we world. Are the world. We Are the World, yes. This is some bullshit. This is some... We and the last gonna... one, oh, yeah, I've never heard ahead. of it. I've oh, never heard of Oh, really? Go ahead. Well, it's 1939. The yeah. Ink Spots with If I Didn't Care. That's it. If you we had gotten single. one of them, if we had gotten oh. one of them, <laughs> it would have been a miracle. It would have been a fucking miracle if we had gotten one of them. It's a pro- I was expecting Bohemian Rhapsody and all that kind of thing, but no, it, it, apparently not. Wow. Not our, not my strong suit. Well, Shall I'm, we go I, back to trying to answer my questions? I mean, I'm, <laughs> to, I, I'm, I'm batting zero all the time. 
Okay. <laughs> Delta hurts. and Beta ask, um, hi, gentlemen, greetings from Colombia. Which are the most life-threatening situations you have um, you've, you've had in your workshop and how could we avoid them? Any really bad situations where you've, you've, you've injured yourself or come close to? Buffers. Yeah, buffers <laughs> are bad. Yeah. I've had something happen to me recently that I didn't really talk about. My tire hammer, the one of the uh, set screws slowly, slowly loosened, and my and the whole thing kind of I was hitting, and the whole the arm just fell right off while oh, in the shit. middle mid heat mid hit. The springs were holding it together, and it didn't like fly off, but that scared the shit out of me. And and then I was able to take a, a long two by four and kind of get it back on the axle. And then um, I tightened everything down. I went around. All of a sudden, I'm just like a Mr. Allen Wrench. I'm fucking, I'm like Allen Wrench City. So like every fifth time I use the hammer, I'm greasing the motherfucker up. And then I'm checking out. I'm making little lines to make sure I know nothing's slipping out. And I'm Allen Wrench City. And then with the same tire hammer, I was smashing. I was uh, forging something down, and one of the dies broke. Uh, the weld broke between the die and the plate, and that scared the shit out of me too. So... The power hammer has always been something that's like, there's just, with the spring between the arms and there's all these moving parts and stuff like that, you just, you can tell that there's just terror, those power hammers. A mechanical Mm -hmm. hammer starting to come apart, it would be terrifying. You don't, and you don't really know unless you're like on it and just like constantly like checking it out. And, you know, I'd I'd lost a little bit, you know, I'd just, you know, use it very, very infrequently and. That scared the shit out of me. That scared the shit out of me. And I know a friend of ours, I think it's Iron Bell. Iron Bell. It's a blacksmith guy built a, uh, some people build cages around oh, the yeah, arms sure. just to make sure if that, because it's the spring, especially on a little giant, the spring between the arms, if that thing flies off, you're you're going to be headless. You're going to be headless. Right. It'll take your whole face off. Right. So like a lot of people build like <laughs> aftermarket uh fence aftermarket you know tire hammers are all aftermarket now i mean my mechanical <laughs> ones at least <clears throat> so they built a cage just to make sure that nothing nothing you know, if it falls out it's not gonna mm. put it in your sure. mouth yeah what when about i was working for, when i was working for bob i was uh forging on the five under the 500 pound little giant and um i was setting the weld on some damascus and it was covered in flux uh this is before my flexless welding days and it splattered which it always does uh but it shot right at me and i had gloves on i had all kinds of protective gear but it bounced down my sleeve some of that uh, flux which is essentially liquid glass down into my glove and i'm still setting this weld with my left hand holding on to the tongs while my right hand i'm trying to you know swing that glove off uh that was one of the most nervous making uh situations i ever had in the shop um but the probably the most terrifying situations i ever had in the shop was buffing on a knife mm. and the knife getting pulled right out of my hands yeah. uh it's happened a couple times and each time uh i'm, I'm surprised i actually don't pee a little bit because it's terrifying <laughs> and i and i the first thing i do after saying holy fuck and my heart is racing is i start feeling around my chest and my my torso and down my legs and i'm looking at the knife to see if there's any blood because if i did get stabbed i'm probably in shock um but i've been very very fortunate that 
I have not been stabbed, but uh, feel free it's... to pee if you if you if you if you feel like you know if you need a reason to pee in your pants, you know I give you That's my blessing. A good one. You know? Thank you. All right, I'll let you know. How <laughs> I was I scared, so I just started peeing in my pants. You know, <laughs> what were you doing? I was having lunch. I was having lunch. I was that nervous, and uh, I just decided I'm gonna pee in my pants. What about you, yeah. Craig? I, I've had that a few times with the buffing wheel, and it'll it'll take a grip and just shoot it away. Um, yeah. yeah, always nerve wracking. Um, but what I generally do now is if it's if this is sort of pre putting the handle on, um, I, I'll sort of clamp it to a bit of like two by four and, you, and use mm. that. You know, so you've got a better grip. Um, but obviously, some you know, once you've finished a knife, you want to give it a final buff as well, and that that's always the, the you know the scary bit. Um, but no, I've, I've been quite fortunate really not to have any ma- sort of major accidents in the shop. There's always these little things that you know. Sometimes you you know you tensed up over the grinder, you know, doing something really delicate, and then something like the, the compressor will switch on. You just like ah shit! Yeah. <laughs> you just like yeah. jump out of your yeah. skin. Um, but uh, no, n- never any accidents. Thank you know, touch wood. I'll, um, I'll say that uh, I I used a, once I was uh, jet lagged and I was working on a knife and <clears throat> I w- actually was pushing it, the the blades were very dull. And I was trying to cut the tops of the Corby bolts and I pushed and I touched the bandsaw and I went right to the mm-hmm. hospital. But that scared the shit out of me. But I, I want to just give a quick uh, product review for um, Milwaukee is making new Porterband blades. I think it's like it's called... time for a mini product review. <laughs> Milwaukee is making new Porterband blades. I just saw them for the first time. And it's like I think it's like I don't remember the name. It's like Maximum. It's a new variation of a of a bandsaw blade. It's like Max Use or something like that. Or it's like extreme. It's like extreme bandsaw blades. I swear to God, they're ten times better than any other bandsaw blades I've used from Milwaukee. I've been using this one bandsaw blade forever. I'm stunned. I'm always like, I wonder how long it's going to take for me to not use it. It's great. This this Milwaukee. I don't know what it took. You just give me a second. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go get the box. Just talk for a second. I'll get it. I'll yeah, get sure, it. yeah. God damn it. I got to buy the bio. Why the fuck This is good timing, actually. This is good timing because I do need a, a new blade on my little, uh, little uh, bandsaw, metal bandsaw as well. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm interested to hear about these because uh, I used to buy, I have a Milwaukee Porter Band. You can hear him banging around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Um... Why don't we just listen to him for a second? He's, he's going to trash the place now. Proper psychopath moment. He's running back. I fucked up. And then the vicar said, never on a Tuesday. <laughs> I fucked up. I lost the box. Sorry, guys. That was embarrassing. I shouldn't have left the room in front of a box I didn't even have. <laughs> what have you got, Jeff? In regards to what? <laughs> I thought I said... Uh, <laughs> I fucking almost <laughs> killed myself with a tire hammer. Is that good enough? Not good enough? Uh, you did. Oh, sorry. You did. I mean, Jesus Christ! Jesus. I almost killed myself with a tire hammer, and you Challenge forgot it. Jeff. Uh, and and next time that happens, I'm definitely gonna pee myself. And I don't want anybody's. <laughs> I might just pee myself right now. You need to crack, crack a window on your on your truck at least. <laughs> I'm gonna have a Kydex drain hole. I want a Kydex. <laughs> A little pee hole. That's what it's for. That's what Just it's put for. A so you can in it. pee that. Yeah, mega the matchstick pee hole, ready to go. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Dave Evader knives asks, um, when knife when knife makers ask you how their knives look, are you honest or do you kind of BS them? Will you uh, will you tell them what needs to be fixed or tell them it looks good? 
what do you do when somebody that produces a knife and says, hey, what do you think of my knife? That's Jeff. That's Jeff's favorite. Uh, I fucking bull. I won't say anything. I don't do that. I, I just like I don't feel if somebody showed me an exact like I what am I doing wrong here? I would probably help them. But if you gave me your knife, to, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not a master bladesmith by any means, nor am I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be able, I'm not a, I just make my shit. So I am encouraging, but I don't do critiquing of, of craft. I don't do critiquing of craft. You know, I, I just, I'm not, I've been down that road when I was an artist and it was like, it's just like, I just didn't never liked it. it, it sometimes I just, yeah, the answer is I bullshit or I just, I don't even bullshit. I just say, eh, I'm not your guy. Peace and love, peace and love. Keep keep working. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't do that. Right, just like I said, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a, especially going to like knife shows. That's the hardest part. Especially, it's usually like young guys that come up and they're like, "This is you know this fourteen year old kid or this eighteen year old kid," and they're like, "Hey, I just made my first knife, and can you can you take a look at it?" My first thought is like, "Oh fuck." Okay, but they're fortunately they're they're very clear, um, you know. I or at least they are, and anybody else who's wanting critique, they're very they're like, I really want you to be honest. Where do you see where this could be used improvement? I don't get too crazy about the, the minute details, but some of the more like obvious things that I'm seeing, uh, like maybe it's just like the 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 bolster is a little off center or like the, there's like a little wiggle on the blade. And I, I offer some advice on how like p- potentially that could be fixed or, or anything that I think that I could actually offer like meaningful advice on. Otherwise, uh, if somebody's just like, Hey, I made this knife. You want to take a look at it? I'm like, okay, sure. And I'll look at it and I'm like, okay. And I, I just try to find nice things to say about it usually. And, and I don't offer critique unless somebody really, really is asking for one. Um, I just, yeah, it's not fun. I, have I don't a, like doing that. I have a funny story. The only time I ever met Bob Kramer, Tony got me into a, uh, event in New York. This was a number of years ago. And he says, just bring your knife. Tony's like, go bring your knife. I'm like, I'm not bringing my fucking knife. This is in the beginning. I'm like, I ain't bringing my knife. He's like, bring your fucking knife. So we go through this meeting and then it wasn't a meeting. It was like a, like a sharpening thing. And there was like five or six people there. And, uh, I, you know, I, I said, I was so nervous that I said, uh, they asked me what well, he asked me what I do. I said, I think I said, I, I make knives or something like that. I said something. Stupid. <laughs> so then at the end he says, well, I'd love to see your knife. And I was like, ah, I don't think so. And he, and Tony's like, yeah, put, put, put that fucking, pull the fucking knife out. So I pulled the knife and, and, and Bob had already said, I don't say anything if it's, I don't, he's like, I usually don't give, I'll, I'll say, oh, very nice or interesting or something like that. He's like, generally speaking, I don't, he, he made something about like, you know, he's not going to give critique unless you want it. So I pulled it out. He looked at it and he handed it back to me and he goes, hmm. And I was like, Jesus. Interesting. Christ. Yeah. It was like, it was like <laughs> everything, the things that he said when it's a piece of shit, he's, when he said it's a piece of shit. Hey, he's basically, you know, it was before. He's like, yeah, I just don't say anything when I see something that's garbage. So I hand it to me because, hmm. And I was like, oh, motherfucker. But I did get the picture with him. I did get the picture of him. I'm holding my knife and he's holding his knife. And I did get the picture, but it's really funny to me because I was just like, Jesus Christ. So, and P.S. Last story is I, some of you guys are probably surprised that Will Stelter and I are friends. And I walked around with Will Stelter 
at the Blast Blade Show. We walked around for a couple hours. He stopped every Master Bladesmith. I'd love you to take a look at my knives. And every five minutes, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, are you going to go see everybody? You're going to get through this? You, you really want his opinion? I can't believe you. I was just giving him such trouble about like, come on, Will. Are we going to walk through this thing? You're going to ask every single person? You're going to have 10 different guys that your opinion? It's a beautiful knife. Just knock it off or let's just keep walking. So there you are. Mm. Oh, this is, uh, uh, yeah. When you're when you're looking for critique, I'll give you some critique. <laughs> you got to get yourself a broadback. I wasn't looking, guys. I'm sorry. We don't do this here. I'm. If you want a critique and you want to get a good grinder, get yourself a broadback ironworks grinder. Their two by seventy two grinders are beautiful. They are made by knife makers for knife makers. Ryan and Vince do such a beautiful job with these grinders. Um, they're incredibly versatile and, and intuitive. There's a long platen, which is for chef knives. It's great. I love the fact that it's got such a long platen. You have a lot of material, uh, room to work. Um, they have their work rest is awesome. It's also adjustable, so you can go side to side. So if you were using, like, if let's say you're you're using jigs. It's super long, so you can you you don't have to add anything to the to the to the workstation in order to get all the way across. It's, that's really helpful too. There's a tons of different attachments. They're developing new things. I know that they're um, R&Ding their surface grinder with uh, Kurt Halland. Um, they're going to do an integral bolster um, integral bolster piece. Vince told me I had a, I talked to Vince probably every other week and he's told me that they're they're working on some new things that are super super cool. It's horizontal vertical. I think I said that you don't need a wrench to change your parts, which is real nice. Um, the, the the shipping is included in the price. They're not going to nickel and dime you. Uh, it's a great grinder. I have it. It's my number one grinder. My other two grinders I don't even really use that often. I don't even use them at all. Um, so go to broadbackironworks.com. Put in knife talk five. Get yourself 5% off and keep follow them on Instagram because they're always doing some quick big sales, holidays or whatever. They are doing like quick sales. So so give them a follow. Give them some love. Broadback Ironworks. Get yourself a nice grinder from them. Let's get quizzical. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> are you ready? All the time. Go ahead. Same thing. Ten answers. Take it in turns. And, this um, is so aggressive. <laughs> this is, I feel like this is almost like aggressive. This is like, this is a good, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm with you. Ten answers. But this time, um, there's male and female. So you can, you can have um, either. So there's 20 answers. What are you talking about male and female? Okay. So okay. I want, I've taken this data from the Social Security Administration oh. website. Okay. <laughs> I want the, the Nigerian princes. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the most popular names um, of people um, in the last 100 years. Oh, my so, so there's 10 God. male, 10 female, and we're looking for any in the top 10. Mareko, you go first. Jesus. Sarah. Uh, yes, that was oh. the ninth most popular um, female name. Wow. One to Morocco. I'm going to say John. That's number two for male. There yes. You go. There you go. Back to you, Morocco. Madison. What? No. Ah, Damn it. Ah, no, Madison. <laughs> I'm going to go Jeff. with Thomas. Number nine. Yeah, I'm yes. in there, baby. I'm in there. Back to Morocco. So wait, I'm sorry. This is of all, all time, or last hundred. The years? last one, the last one hundred years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rachel. Uh-uh. Back wow. to Jeff. Oh, shit. We go with uh, 
George. Come on. No. Really? Surprisingly not. Yeah, surprisingly wow. not. Wow. Uh, one more go each. Mareko? Mark. No. Really? Holy shit. No. All right, I'm going with Charles for the win. That is the 10th most popular name for males. Oh, thank God. 3-1 to Jeffrey. Uh, answers are males are James, John, Robert, Michael, William, David, Richard, Joseph, Thomas, and Charles. And females are Mary, Patricia, Jennifer, Linda, Elizabeth, Barbara, Susan, Jessica, Sarah, and Karen. These are some real white names going on here. <laughs> <laughs> there are, aren't there? Jeez, yeah. But that's the registered births in the last 100 years. There you go. Congratulations. Okay. Back tonight. I got a naked in my my head hurts. All these quick quick ones. Here's a here's a question actually that I want to know the answers to as well. So Stephen Brady um, on Instagram has asked, "What is the best option for dust collection system that doesn't take up the space as a seven four seven? What do you guys use for dust collection? Anything at all, or what, what's your system?" I, I don't really use anything. <laughs> I I have a a fan. A box fan that circulates air out, or not a box fan. Uh, it's, I don't know what kind of fan it's called. But anyways, it circulates air out of the grinding room out to kind of like the back grinding or the back property area. So, mm. um, yeah, so I don't use a, a vacuum. <clears throat> I, I If I need a vacuum, if I'm doing something really dirty or really nasty that I don't want necessarily a bunch of particulates floating around the air, then I'll, I'll just wire up my sh- shop vac real quick to be down because I keep that bucket right underneath my grinder. Uh, so I'll connect it to that. So it's just sitting right there and catching any kind of handle. Usually it's like, like G10 or not G10, but uh, what is it? Uh, Micarta dust mm. and anything with that kind of like that fiberglass kind of crap in it. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm pretty much the same. I've, I've since putting the grinder room in, I thought everything else will stay clean now. I thought, yeah, that would be great. So I've got just like an extractor fan in the grinding room that takes things out, outdoors. But thinking that the rest of the workshop will be fine. But, you know, there's not much room in the grinding room. So when it comes to doing other stuff, like, uh, like you know, just the, this weekend, for example, do some welding and, you know, you're grinding stuff down, ready for grind, you know, and everything is just full of dust. Um, so, yeah, I, I really want a, a, like a, a neat solution for this, but I just don't see anything out there. Like, like you said, that doesn't take up lots of room, lots of noise. Um, I've seen, you know, I've seen those, you know, those air filter things that you put up on your, on your ceiling, but they, they don't seem to do much at all. Maybe clean the air a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I, I need something myself. And it's what, what, what have you got, Jeff? Any sort of solution for that? I use I, I'm going <clears> to <throat> shout out to Broadback Ironworks. I use a uh, my shop vac and and then i actually all my grinders i've raised up a little bit except for the broadback the broadback is exactly the right size that i I wanted it and then i took on one of the uh i made a a hole in a piece of wood that fits the tube of the vacuum the vacuum tube the end and then i took a pony clamp which has a long um bar and actually, it I can remove it. I can move it around. So I take a I'm gonna make a hole under one of my grinders, and then I'll just slide it in, and then I slide it out when I don't need it because you know you don't want to have the the dust collection going from steel to wood because that's when you mm. get the fire. Um, that's how you know, especially carbon steel, those sparks go down, and then they you know you, you ignite the whole goddamn joint up. So when I'm doing wood, the bar of my pony clamp fits in the B of the Broadback Ironworks. So it's like its own, it's a perfect slot 
for my dust collection system to lock into my broadback ironworks. So I use that when uh-huh. I, I use it for the uh, for when I'm grinding steel, I have a bucket of water, and then when I'm grinding wood, I slide in uh, my shop vac because you know the wood goes everywhere, and then I yeah. use the shop vac for the wood and the G10 and the micarta. Nice. I've seen some people have really sort of intricate systems of piping, and they've got like valves right. and so on, and cut them off and. Yeah, I, my problem with that is that I'm always moving things around, you know? Like, yeah. You know, there's not enough room for it to be there, so for this particular job, I need to move <clears> over <throat> here, and yeah. Yeah, I, cool. get wor- I get worried about sparks. The sparks scare the shit out of me. I'm like, I'm afraid of, especially if something's smoldering, if I leave the shop, you know, and then uh, I just don't want any of that, so I really stay the hell away from that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right, this next one is from Aubrey Hummer. He says, does Craig... Still grind full clench, uh, full clench, or has his shoes <laughs> helped him relax in front of the grinder? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a dig at my shoes or a dig at my grinding style. But uh, I think you said once that you used to clench up. You'll slap st- those I butt cheeks do. together, and you're all clenched up. And I got to sort of say, "Whoa, stop!" So I got to stop myself and say, "Just relax a bit." But you know, yeah, I start off really clenched up, and I, <laughs> I, th- I think it's I think it's from the coffee. Make sure there's no no sort of blowout. Um, but yeah, really. That's, right. that's why you use the. That's why you use the laser thermometer, right? <laughs> but sometimes I'm really I, I catch myself and I, I'm almost like grinding my teeth as well. I'm like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Whoa, stop, mm. relax, and just," and everything goes far better then. Um, but yeah, my I think my natural sort of state when I step up to the grinder is is a clench. Um, so yeah, I need to keep. I should have a little sign up saying <laughs> "Sans clench" um, next next to my grinder, baby. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, right, let's the, move on. The next one comes from Dylan Butler. Jeff is a great guy. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's what it says. Wait there. Let's stop a second. Let's get quizzical. Let's do a quiz. We're not having that. We're not having that. <laughs> okay, uh, this is the final round of the quiz. Uh, we can't be having those kind of messages. Can we? <laughs> Jesus. Come on. I, I mean, I was reading and everything, you know? Uh, okay, same thing. Um, top 10. Um, back and forth. We're going to start with <laughs> Jeff this time, and I want a list of countries oh. ranked um, by size, as in area. So the top okay. ten um, okay. biggest countries by area in the world. Okay, Jeff, off you go. Uh, Australia, number six, correct. Morocco, China, China, correct. Number three, Russia, correct. Number one. Canada. Correct. Number two. Brazil. That's the fifth largest. Fuck yeah! (laughs) Uh, United States. Correct. That's the fourth largest. You've got the top five here. You've got the top six. We already hit the top six? You've hit the top six. There's four left. Uh, India. That's number seven. Yeah, yeah. God damn it! Come on, let's keep going. <laughs> this is the best we've ever done. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Eight, nine, and ten to go. Eight, Come nine, on, we got to do this, bro. We, this is a team. Finally, we have a quiz where we can do this together. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I don't know what to say. I'll run through them again. So these are the top yeah. ten uh, countries ranked by size. So first was Russia, then Canada, then China then United States, then Brazil, then Australia, then mm. India, and 
There's three left. Greenland? Yeah, that's a good one. No, it's wrong. Ah, oh, fuck. I, I would have said, fuck. I was going to say that too. I was going to say that too. <laughs> I was totally going to gonna say that. <sighs> Antarctica. Is that a country? No. Is that not um, a country? It's continent? Oh. I, I don't oh, know. Yeah, it's it's not country. anyway. It's, it's not there. Mm. Um, Racco, last chance. What Shit. we got? Uh, Argentina. Correct. Number eight. Dang, look at you. Yeah. People are going to think we, we cheated. I, There's I'm, two left. And I... I will go ahead. I'll, I'll, what will you I'll, give? I'll do anything you want if you, if you, if you can guess you're these because you're not going to guess. Are you going to declench? <laughs> I clench now, ready for this. There's two left. Go on. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Mexico. No. Uh, uh, either of you, any any guesses? I'm out. Uh, my last guess was going to be like Norway or something like that. No. Okay, so I'll run from the top again. Number number one on um, area sizes: Russia, Canada, China, United States, Brazil, Australia, India, Argentina, and then we've got Kazakhstan. Oh fuck that! I'm gonna get that. I mean, and then Algeria. Ugh, both of them can All go right. fuck themselves. Who we're not, we were gonna get those. Who would have thought? Uh, never. We, um, go, we we did great on that one. So the, actually, that was four all on Kazakhstan. We're gonna get that. I don't think anybody would have got Kazakhstan. Everybody was shouting at their their favorite podcast player now, going, Kazakhstan. I was like, nah, you didn't get that. You didn't get it. So, so let's go, get back to can I go, let's get back to can I get back to the question. <laughs> go on, Jeff. Go on. This one comes from Dylan Butler. Jeff is a great guy. Now that we oh, no, no, let's move on. The next one is from Come on. <laughs> go on, go on. Because this is a real question. Jeff is a great guy. Now that we got that compliment guaranteed out of the way. What quench oil does 80 CRV like best? Ah, oh, okay. I don't know. Me neither. <laughs> Marekko, I thought you you were an 80 CRV guy. I, I, I've never used 80 CRV, but I can see right there the C and uh, the V, or the CR and the V, that it's got chrome and vanadium in it, which usually tells me that it's a, a, a little hard, deeper hardening steel. So AAA quench uh, should probably do that, uh, do the job for it just fine. Look um, at you. You CSI that question on the spot. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, or maybe canola oil. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Ice water. There you go. <laughs> the next one is from uh van vandel menorin i think van, i think it's van demon iron van demon iron. Van yes <laughs> yeah he's just he looks weird written that's all yeah. hey there cuties just wanted to thank you for all the work that you do for the podcast love listening to it now we'll stop there <laughs> could you possibly discuss the pros and cons of using a grinding jig I've only made a couple of knives. Some say just learn to do it freehand. This is beneficial in the long run. Um, yeah, we leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker, you... <laughs> Man! There's another Jeff compliment at the end. We can't be I well. told you in the last episode that if you, if you give me a compliment, then I'll guarantee you'll be on the podcast. <laughs> I made it very clear. And then some of you listeners use your fucking heads. And I was just like, oh, it was a compliment. Good for you, you smart little bastard. And there you go. I did what I promised was. <laughs> okay. Pros and cons of a grinding jig. Do, you, do either of you use... I do, but do either of you use jigs at all? 
I've stopped using. I've stopped using grinding jigs. Go ahead, Branko. I was just gonna say I've I've always freehanded, but I am definitely not against jigs. Um, because I you know I I I think about like how how am I gonna be able to keep? I I don't think I'll be able to freehand grind forever. Um, and so I I've been looking at different jigs and stuff and there's some good stuff out there um but i think they definitely have a place um you know i don't think there's it, it, the whole argument of like oh do you freehand or you use jigs like that doesn't fucking matter like, like jeff said in the past like whatever you if you're getting the job done you're getting the job done it still takes skill and talent like just because you're using a jig doesn't mean you're not talented yeah. so mm. i i have no problems with jigs and I, i've actually been looking at getting some um so yeah that's where yeah. I stand. I use a jig virtually all the time. Um, so for chef knives, I'll use it to sort of set the bevel. And once I've done that, I'll then go to freehand because I've got something that I can I can use against. Um, but I mean, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been working on these bushcraft knives um, and just sort of trialing things. Um, and I'm finding that using a jig is so I'm using a, a tool rest as well and then a jig. Um, and I'm finding that I'm getting much crisper. Um, like grind lines, you know, the, t- right. the top of the grind line there. I want that to be perfectly um, in line with m- with my bevel. So, you know, it, that, that it follows the radius perfectly. Um, and it's just a lot easier for me to do that with, with a jig. And, and particularly when I'm when I'm doing a bunch of knives that are using exactly the same stock, um, just set that jig up once um, and, and you're away. So, yeah, I, I don't see any problems with it. I don't <clears> think anybody would be able to look at a knife and say, that was done with a jig or that was done freehand and and certainly the user isn't going to care um so yeah so i'm mean, massive pros for me using a grinding jig uh the cons are um sometimes speed if i've just got something like a one-off knife that i want to do um yeah it, it, it would slow me down because I, i'll need to set up that jig specifically for that um but i use a, a jig from tr maker which they really kindly sent me for free um and it's it, it's a really really great jig it's really mini um, product review it's a mini product review it's it's really uh versatile and it also lets you um do it with a uh with a file guide on too which i know a lot of jigs can be a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle trying to use it with a with right. a file jig um but they've got like the special arm thing that it fits to it and so so yeah it's for me, it's 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 what I use probably ninety percent of the time, um, but, and sometimes it is literally just for setting the the bevel. And once once I've that's got that established, I'll then go to freehand. Um, but yeah, as I say, with the bushcraft knives I've been doing, I'll, I'll even finish still using still using the jig. I like the jig, but one thing that I didn't that I stopped one of the reasons why I stopped using it, and it wasn't to stop using it for any other reason other than. With chef knives, I didn't like to just grind one side because that's what happens with a grinding jig. You're not going to just do a swipe across your uh, work rest and then change your your jig, you know, change, yeah, change the well, other side. And that can be. Yeah, I do. I do. You change so, it every single swipe. Yeah, but it's not it's not. Um, so the, the the jig that I use, the one the one from TR Maker um, and the one that I used before as well from Basha Dan. Um, so it's just they, out. In the, it's just out. It just it sticks out with nothing behind it. Yeah, so it's so it's, it's it's not bolted into the jig. You have like little rests that the spine sits on. Huh. Oh, wow. um, so then you can just you know, there's no bolting. You just take it off and do the other side. It's you know less than a second to change. Huh. Um, so yeah, it's not a case of doing all of one side, then having to re 
then turn it and retune the jig and do the other side. It's literally I do one swipe left, one swipe left, well, you know, one left, one left, one left, like that. It's it's yeah, it's um. Well, yeah, that's the because I was using a piece of wood, and then I, what happened was I would be grinding one side, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's the thing when you're when you're heating something up, just even just a little bit, is it's gonna mm. you're gonna start to pull a little bit of a warp into it, and then you just flip it to the other side, and it kind of handles. If you're it. attaching it, if you're attaching it to the jig, yeah, that I can see, yeah, it would be a bit of a bit of a, a shit to change each time, but no, you know, I think. To be honest, the only jigs I've ever used, they're not attached to the jig. Mm. You 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 hold it against the, uh, and sometimes you know I might use like a like a spring clamp or something, but that takes a second to undo. Right. Um, I've yeah, gotten more comfortable. Around I've gotten more comfortable freehanding it, and I actually enjoy grind, which I never thought I'd be able to say. Is I enjoy it a little bit more mm. when I'm kind of like both, you know, doing it by hand and then trying to make it even, 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 and then my lines, you know, it's going back and forth even. I'm having a better time doing that, and also. I don't do the the tool. I don't do the platen, you know, straight up and down. I put it at a very ang- at an angle so my neck isn't down. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm having a little bit of a. Uh, it makes my it makes I'm in a better position when I do it that way, and it, I wouldn't be able to use a jig anyway. Mm. You know, because you're not you can't use a tool rest if you're if you're if your platen is at a very steep angle, like 45 degrees. You can't yeah, use a tool rest anyway. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm so I'm more comfortable in that without the jig. So, but I, I, they're great, especially if you're going to do a scandy grind, you, you know, unless you're pariah knives, shout out to Chris Adelscott. He may, I mean, he's the, he's the grinding, he is the freehand grinding king. And he told me he's, if you're not following pariah knives, that guy can grind. And he, I asked him, I was like, I got some, what do you do? Do you wear, use a jig? And he goes, no, I just hold my breath. He was like, he clenches too. <laughs> Talk about clenching. That motherfucker is clenching and it's paying off because those grinds are the crispiest of crisp. Mm, nice. But yeah, I mean, he's saying he's only made his first couple of knives. So I'd say if you if you started off using a jig, um, keep using the jig, but then maybe once you've set that initial bevel, then just give it a go freehand afterwards and see if you, you know, see how, it, see how that goes. But yeah, there's no, there's no rules. Do, do what you need to do. I would think also that having good belts would help you with your grinding. Maybe. Where would you get your belts? <laughs> Fucking combat. Combat abrasive. <laughs> make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. There you go. 15% off. I, I knew where you were angling there, but I thought I'd just keep you hanging just a little bit longer. You're a scum. That was, that was a, a fucking great move because I'm like, waiting, he's waiting for me to answer. When's Arnold going to show up? <laughs> but yeah, seriously, the three of us use combat abrasives for our abrasives. Um, they make these shredders, which are, they'll just eat through the steel. Um, they're, they're inexpensive, um, really good belts, um, and you can get 15% off at combatabrasives.com. And you can so get buffing go. wheels. Ooh, Ooh, you've got enough, Jeff. You've got enough. I know, I know, I know. It's never eight enough. Buffing wheels. And it's never said eight out of three. <laughs> Dare you? All right, let's keep going. All right, this next one is from. Um, fuck, I'm gonna screw this one. Do up. it. Go ahead. Read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. You'll be all right. Go ahead. We already beat. We already beat Paul him up once. Char- Paul Charb. Paul Charbonneau. Paul Charbonneau. Oh. We'll read the whole right. thing and. Right. Read the whole thing. Let's. Oh yeah, I see. Down at the bottom, it says Charbonneau. There you go. Ah. All right. 
All right, looking <laughs> to try to get started with stabilizing my own scales. What equipment, supplies, or tutorials do you suggest to get started? This one's definitely for you guys. Um, yeah, you can need a, a pump. Um, I'm trying to th I'm, I'm trying to think what it's called. It's not like a two-stage pump. It's it's it's, it's called something. It, it... Oh, I could get out of the right. car and run out again. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm probably not going to find it anyway. Challenge, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping out of the sunroof to get figure out what the hell. Um, but basically, <laughs> if you go to any sort of reputable supplier, um, you'll see that the pump. Uh, it's not called a two-stage pump. It, it it's it's something, and I think what that. Al allows to happen is that when it's sucking resin in it won't suck into the pump you know there seems to be some sort of safety thing in there so you don't damage the mine will suck into the pump if i don't fucking be careful mm. or no it'll pump the oil we're getting into it go on then i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> I, I'm not a sponsor of the podcast but if you really want to get into it uh turn text or text turn or turn text they make um, they make chambers and they give you advice on the kinds of pumps that you can get. And I actually just ordered a second uh, chamber uh, because Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you fucking guy, man, unbelievable. But I, it's 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 the funny thing is is I got you know people think that stabilizing is an overnight thing. It is not an overnight situation. You can't you can't stabilize a piece of wood in a day. You know you have to really be able to uh you have to make sure the wood is very dry and then you put it in the chamber and then you fill it with the the, the whatever the cactus juice or whatever you're using and then you have to suck it until there's no more air and then you gotta let it soak and then you know you gotta bake it off and there's time and it take it does take time so i actually got a second chamber because they're not that expensive stabilizing isn't the the, the all the stuff you need isn't expensive but it's time consuming mm. The resins can be quite expensive. Yeah, you can get a gallon for like a little under hundred bucks. But the great thing is, is a lot of these uh, cactus juice, uh, you can reuse it. It's not like you put it in once and then once the oil, once the wood's in there, you you can just still keep using it, which is great. Yeah. One tip I would give with that actually is if you're using a bunch of different oils, because you know some some oils, some uh, resin, sorry, woods, oh. um, some can be quite oily and so on, and they will sort of discolor. The, the cactus juice. So what I tend to do is have um, a chamber within the chamber. Ooh, so I don't just... <laughs> double chambers. So I don't pour my cactus juice straight into the chamber. I'll have another vessel inside. And that way yeah, I can have a bunch of different vessels. So like sometimes I'll put some dyes in, for example, if I want to dye the wood. Mm. So I'll have a blue one, I'll have a red one and so on. And that way you're not wasting loads. You can just keep your different your different vessels, stick a lid on it, and it'll, 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 it'll keep um but yeah i find that with some uh with some oily woods they'll give off color into the resin so then if you want to use that same resin for you know like a, like a much paler wood it can it can discolor the wood a little bit so um try and keep your resins uh separate for different woods if that makes sense it turn text it's either turn text or text turn. I never get it. Wrong. I think it's turn text. I think it's turn text. They yeah. have tons of valuable information. It's a great. It's a great company, and they and they and they think they make cactus juice, which is the most popular. But mm. it's very very user friendly, and they kind of walk you through everything. And the other thing is, is I've gotten to the point where I used to uh, use a small toaster oven to dry the to uh, set the resin, but now I have a small sheet tray that fits into my even heat, and I actually use the even heat i put everything in the sh <laughs> all right all right so i actually put a <laughs> I, I i put the uh i use the even heat to to set the wood 
Yeah. Cool. Um, but I think that's, yeah, I don't think there's any other tips really for that. It's, I mean, there's plenty of videos of people doing it as well. And it, it's not as complicated as it no, seems. No. You have valves and stuff on there to shut off and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty straightforward once you start. Yeah. Okay, Pioneer Road asked, what do you do when you, oh, sorry, what do you make when you're over making knives for a few weeks? I've been making bottle openers uh, based off Jeff's. Ooh! Um, <laughs> and he asked, what else is fun to make? That's a good question, actually, because I think I, I certainly get it a lot. If I've been, you know, a few weeks sort of head down, I sometimes think, oh, I just need to make something that'll be fun, uh, particularly when I'm working on a big batch because, you know, it can be quite repetitive. Um, so what else is fun to make? What do you guys do? Earrings. Really? <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, usually on uh the the handle cutoffs, the like uh, especially if it's some sort of burl, just that little corner or whatever you're you're cutting off that handle material, I I'll turn mm. that into it. I'll split that in half and then I'll t- make that into an earring. I usually give them as they're they're quick and easy gifts. <laughs> they take maybe uh like 20 minutes, 30 minutes to make and everybody loves them. Um Cool. Uh, and then, you know, like, like I did that forging series for the little bench knife. I, I forged those little dinkers just for fun and it's good for practice, good practice. It's, it's good practice for forging really close to dimensions so that, um, like the, or at least for myself, I'm just trying to practice hammer control and, and pushing how close I can forge, uh, down to dimension, uh, to final dimension for the knives, but or, or make Damascus. That's it. Shout out to Jesse Savage because he just made a belt buckle and it was, it's a small piece of steel, but it has to fit the belt. And it was such a cool project. And I actually, I've made a belt buckle before and I know um, my friend Darren Fisher has made belt buckles and I know uh, sure. John Ariani's made belt buckles. You can, if, especially if you have a small piece of uh, Damascus cutoff, belt buckle is pretty cool and there's different ways to do it but go check out what jesse made jesse made a really really nice belt buckle i actually asked him i want one um that would be fun i really it was a it, it would be really cool to be able to you know you really have to figure out your sizing and um i would do i would love to make a belt buckle that'd be a lot of fun and a lot of blacksmiths do it but you don't need a lot of material to make one mm. cool nice. cool i've actually I, I mean i've got so many different like hobbies and things that i'm into so for me, it, it is a case of trying not to, my, you know, my day normally goes, I start off, you know, with, with knives and so on, and I, I can quickly veer off into, into something else. And I mean, the way my workshop is set up here, I have sort of a, like electronics area where I've got 3D printer and a little sort of CNC router and all that in one area and so on. And, and stupidly this week, uh, <laughs> I feel stupid even saying it now, we put a TV up in the workshop. <laughs> So when it comes to being distracted, I think I've just got like I've got this big glass screen looking at me now, saying, "Look, there's loads of stuff on me. Stop what you're doing. Come and look at me." Um, so yeah, I think it was maybe a bit of a stupid move to put that up, but um, yeah, well, there's, there's a few reasons for it. But uh, um, yeah, I think for me it's the opposite. I've got I've got too many distractions, so I I want to be I want something to m- keep me making knives. So yeah, I'm I'm the sort of opposite really. Yeah, what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? All right. The next one comes from Rough Cut Knives. I like this question. Knowing what you know now about yourselves and your career, 
what would you tell 15-year-old Jeff, 15-year-old Craig, and 15-year-old Mareko? So you're going to go back into the past and talk to your younger self, and what are you going to tell them? Just ask her out. <laughs> oh, you're so, you're, really? No. It's so no. cheesy. <laughs> we, did, we, did you have a problem? Did you have a problem asking people out? Oh, completely. Really? Oh, yeah. I was I was the most underconfident kid really? ever, ever. But you were... The thing was, I, I, where I went to sort of school wasn't where I lived. So I'd go into school and, and everybody sort of knew each other outside of school as well and all that kind of thing. I, I was, you know, miles away. So I, got, I went to school. I didn't know anybody else in that school. And, you know, the school bell went and I'd go home. Everybody else had this sort of social life, or I thought they did at least. So I was always, I, yeah, I was super unconfident in school. Hmm. I was, yeah. That's surprising. I'm very surprised that you would say that. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. But I think, yeah, advice to a 15-year-old me, I, I think it would just be um, do your thing and not really care what others think. I, I've always had this this thing of trying to impress other people and, and not let others down, you know? And, and I just think, you know, who cares? Who cares, you know? And I'd always be, you know, I'd always say yes to everybody. If anybody wanted something, I'll do it, I'll do it. Just trying to impress... I'll, not impressed, but I wanted them to right. like me. Right. And that got me into lots of trouble as well, you right. know, growing up, you know, doing things, you know, just because I wanted people to like me. What kind of trouble? And I just, oh. Come God, on, one quickie. Going. Let's not go into that. A little that. bit, a little bit. Come on, a little bit. <laughs> but I just think, yeah, Stealing I just think. Cars? Uh, oh, selling geez, cars? Selling cars. <laughs> I was selling cars, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just think, yeah, don't care what others think of you. Just get on with your own thing because nobody really cares about you. People got their own worries and stuff. You know, nobody's really nobody thinking cares. about you. That's right. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. No, I, That's what I tell a 15 year old Craig. Nobody cares. I tell I tell that to 46 year old Jeff. Nobody cares. I say that all the time. Nobody cares. Uh, Mareka, what would you tell your younger self? Uh, I so I was kind of I was very shy as well, uh, like Craig was saying. So I'd probably give myself some of that advice as well as um, try to try to be better about finances and saving earlier <laughs> than later. Uh, until I met my wife, I was absolutely horrible with money. And I, I mean, technically I probably still would be horrible with <laughs> money. Uh, but fortunately she, she's uh, quite a bit better with making sure, you know, everything's, you know, covered and saved. And, but until, you know, what was that? That was in my late twenties when I met her, I was just fucking horrible with money. So if I would advise myself on anything, uh, in addition to what Craig was saying, um, it, w it would be to uh, learn how to be better with money sooner hmm. than later. Hmm. Well, I... And that's something that even now they don't really teach in school. They don't. No. You, know, you leave school sort of no. 17, 18, and now you're off. And it's like, oh, you can have a credit card. You can have all these things. And, you know, they don't teach you these things in school. Yeah. And, right. you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going out and I'm drinking and I'm meeting girls and I need some money. Oh, there's easy ways to get money. And it's, it's crazy, isn't it, how that's not taught. But that's for another show maybe. <laughs> Well, I would I, I had this total fear of authority and also I was under the impression that anyone older than me knew more about life hmm. than I did. So I was kind of told, you know, respect your elders, but well, he's older than you, he knows better. My dad would always used to say to me, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. So I always deferred to people who were older than me. And I didn't trust myself. Even when I knew I knew I don't think this is right, buddy. Guy's older than me, he knows better. And adults were like, you know, they know better as an adult. 
And when I get older, I fucking curse myself because I knew, I know that <laughs> adults are just as dumb as everybody else. And I, and I fucking hate the fact that I was like crippled with this the theory of like, you know, you know, he's a, a veteran uh, human being and he knows more than you do. And I fucking despised it. And I was given terrible advice at a young age because from someone who, you know, should know better. And I, and I believed him and I trusted him. And it was like, it was annoying. And I, and I ended up, you know, as I got older and when my father died, I started to kind of like think back to all the things that I, you know, I was doing. And I kind of tried to forgive younger Jeff who, who really should have been listened to. So mm. I, I had, I had perfectly good insight when I was a kid and I didn't, I didn't allow myself to go through with that insight because I was told, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're only 15, 16, whatever. But I knew yeah. better at that. I knew better then. And I was just like, I was, con I was convinced I wasn't. So I fucking hate that. So like, especially my kid, I, I tell her very much, you know, just because they're an adult doesn't mean they're hundred percent right. She's much more less afraid of authority and less afraid of that. You know, somebody's doing something that she don't necessarily agree with. And she can voice that even if they're much older than her. Than her. Mm. and a, a lot of that um certainly for me in school um was was fear as well right. because you know you, you'd be punished in school you know if you if you disagreed with the teacher right. for example and like you said they're not they weren't always and you know we know that now if you could go back to school now there's a few teachers you'd say whoa whoa you're wrong there right but you know you'd be punished for it it's, I, maybe it's different in schools now but it's, it's yeah it's, i would also say that for makers like people who do who make anything you have something in your head that's a lot different than somebody who just wants to be an accountant. You know, you have this ability to, you know, try to see something that you want to make and you figure out the techniques in order to make it. And you need, you need that confidence that you can do it. And I remember when I got out of college and I was an art major, people were saying, Oh, you'll never make any money because you're an artist. You'll never be able to do this because of this It's usually because they'll, they couldn't do it. And, and they're kind of projecting onto you their own, you know, insignificant feelings towards themselves. So if you're making something and, you know, let's just say you're making knives or whatever, most of you guys are, you have to have the confidence that if you believe in yourself and figure this stuff out and you can make it work. I didn't mean to be so woo woo, but, you know, this is the way it is. But I, I find that I find that kind of believing in yourself with within the realm of reality, I mean, you know, within the realm of reality, you can make it happen. And I, I hate the fact that when people, you know, kind of fucking, you know, shit on your dreams just because they don't think you can do it. And I find that to be aggressive and I find that to be uh, despicable. So. And look at you now, eight buffing wheels and two buffing wheels. <laughs> if only they knew. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm clenched. And I'm clenched. <laughs> All right. This next one is from. Paul Balletta, uh, if your knife has a sharpening notch between the choil and the edge of the blade, something called a Spanish notch, uh, where does your plunge line meet this notch? At the back, middle, or front? Doesn't seem to make, uh, don't, I'm oh, sorry, don't see the point in having it at the front of the notch. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Thanks uh, for the tips and tricks and banter. Uh, what do you guys think? Have you guys seen that? I usually see it on like a folding knife or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, the knives I've been doing this week, the the bushcraft knives I've been doing, they've got they've got that notch there. Sure. Um, and mine do go from the front, so he just said he doesn't doesn't see the point in having it at the front. But the whole point is that that's the the bit where you can sharpen from, so you'll get a 
um, let's say let's say you're using a stone or whatever you're using you've got you've got that notch there which is which is a guide for you to sharpen from so i think if your cutting edge was behind that there'd be a little yeah. point in having the notch yeah i think yeah? that he was saying that you you want the he was saying he doesn't see the the need of having a plunge line in front of that notch like if you want the plunge line either in the middle or behind the notch for that exact what you're saying you're not hitting when you're using a sharpening stone you're not hitting your plunge line Mm. of the knife i i see yeah i think i see what he means yeah yeah um my plunge line is at an angle actually so it's probably it's not it's not at 90 degrees from the from the line so there's probably a bit bit of a difference right. there um but i i think a lot of it was is design aesthetic as well really you know how you want the, the knife to look um i can't see it making that much of a difference whether it's sort of in the middle of, the, of that notch or whether it's at the beginning if it's at the end well, you're, um, it's, it's just, you're not, it's not really doing much. Yeah, yeah. I put them on, yeah. all my boating knives I put them on because I have, um, I have a knuckle guard on a lot of my boating knives. And for culinary, I mean, for a chef's knife, you obviously don't need it. Unless you're having, if you look at the traditional um, Zwilling knives or the, or the traditional, you know, whatever, the uh, Zwilling or the, you know, Wenger knives or whatever. They'll have a very thick bolster, so your your yeah. their front finger is uh, resting against it. The problem is, is it makes it very hard to sharpen them and keep the transition nice between that bolster and your edge. So I actually stopped making that style just because I don't want to have to. I, sharpening it is a disaster. You mean on the heel? You mean like a thick right, heel? Right, thick heel. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. So like my all my outdoor knives and my boning knives, anything that has a knuckle guard, I always put um, one of those little uh, holes in and and i'll usually i'll mark my i'll drill it and then i'll mark my plunge line in the middle my, my plunge line is in the middle of that of that hole because i want more, as much blade as possible i feel like if, depending on the size of the hole i don't need you know to lose you know whatever if you're a three sixteenths or you know whatever size hole you don't necessarily need to lose all that much a knife sure and you you drill it you drill it before no shaping. I don't drill it I use a file I have a chain I use oh, chainsaw right. Sorry, files I thought you said drill it. Right. I use yeah, chainsaw I files and then I just go halfway down maybe a little bit more than halfway of the size of the file yeah gotcha. definitely makes it easier to sharpen definitely oh for sure yeah I've whenever I've done that on little knives um, I've I've pushed the plunge line to the back or I guess closest to the handle. And but more than anything is for aesthetic, um, but I think what Jeff's saying is like I what having the plunge line in the middle is is a uh, a good bet I think I I always I guess when I do them I start with it in the middle, especially with most of the, the grinding and then I very very carefully try to push it back. But I it's been I do those so rarely that, um, you know I don't know if my opinion really matters, but I. I I think it, it's definitely kind of an aesthetic thing, whatever you're going for. But I agree. I don't think it makes sense also to have it at the very front because I mean, what's the point of having it there at right. all then? Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just reading this next question. I'm not sure if it's been put in as a joke or not. It's a peen joke. Um, Cowfire Cow Forge asks... <laughs> 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 what are your advices for young blacksmiths to grow and get larger <laughs> or better range? <laughs> <laughs> you, th you think that he's talking about his penis? 
Oh, I don't. Th- I think I've been set up. I think it, no, I don't. I'm, I mean, there's no setup here. I, I don't. I think that. I think that you're. I think it's you. I, I mean, I. I mean, I love a good opportunity vacuum to talk pump. about peanuts. Are we getting a vacuum? Pump? I don't know. I, I don't. I love a good opportunity to sling some dick jokes, but I don't necessarily think that this is that. Okay. Okay. He wants to know. Language. He wants to know how to grow, and have a better range with his peen. I mean, you just got to do. You just have to. Yeah, the problem with blacksmithing is if you, it's like any kind of exercise. I mean, I always used to see blacksmithing as like an athletic thing. You're good if you keep doing it, but if you if you don't keep doing it, if you do it once in a while, you'll never get good. You don't get like I know that if I don't forge for a while, I'll get calluses on my hands, and then I have to rebuild up those calluses, and you become out of shape to a certain degree. There's certain things that are very similar to riding a bicycle that you don't forget, like how you're hitting and stuff. But a lot of times, it's always growth is always for a lot of it's repetition. You know, a lot of it's repetition of of, of the process and stuff like that. Yeah. And you just, you know, stick your dick in a penis pump, and you know. <laughs> I didn't I mean, look. Is that what Craig wanted? I, I mean, that's I the question. Wait, this, this this ties in nicely with the next question. If Mareka wants to take the next question <laughs> for what Mareka, for what Jeff just said, well, really quick, that Calfire Forge <laughs> is a sixteen. I know what you're gonna say. It is a sixteen-year-old kid. So he <laughs> is trying to. Yeah. All right. Oh jeez. Craig, what are you Jeff's doing advising he stick his. No, dick I'm not. Penis. I didn't know that. And Craig, <laughs> Craig is. This is your. You did this. I didn't mean to. I I apologize. <sighs> All right. At Derek Bosley says, "Hey guys, is it true that Jeff has the largest dick of any mammalian species? Also, <laughs> new to the forging, and was wondering if there is one hundred percent way to know you have set a good forge weld." I think you meant to say is the biggest dick in the mammalian species. Just that pump. <sighs> that's, that's why you bought this. God that's why you bought the second pump. That's, that's the second pump. I would tell you if if I was clever enough to put them side by side and think, all right, we're going to talk about penis and then we're going to talk about penis and two questions, I would totally cop to it. But I'm telling you, I had no idea that you were going to go down that road. I did know that the mammalian penis thing was going to happen, but I'm all awkward now. So, you know, I didn't know. I'm not. A, I don't. Well, I have we a, do. Have, we do have children listening. I have a very. I'm very. You know, mediocre penis. There you go. There's your. I mean, there's your answer. And I don't know the the second part. So I'll let that Mareko, You answer the second part. I'm mediocre. Every mediocre subpar. Fine. Let's go. It's getting hot again. Uh, in this car. So <laughs> sweating a bit. So knowing if you've set a solid weld, I think the only thing you can really do is just keep following, follow through, and make a knife out of it. Out of it, and um, and if your knife, you know, especially if you're new to Damascus making, you probably want to do some testing, make some test pieces, and do some destruction testing with them uh, to know and feel confident in your own work that it's that it's going to hold up, and that there aren't some weird. Uh, I guess unwelded portions inside the steel. Um, I think one of the best things that anybody could do is if they can, you know, try to learn from somebody who has experience in making Damascus uh, and I'm n- not just video, but side by side um, because they'll walk you through everything. Um, and, you know, there are classes out there. Fortunately, uh, or, or 
Unfortunately, there are a lot of people making Damascus, so you might be able to find somebody who would just let you kind of hang out um, as they work uh, on their own Damascus. But yeah, you know, I think that the only way you can really feel 100% confident about your work is by making some stuff that you can destroy. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, nothing to add to that, really. Me either. Um, Basin the Beast, um, a.k.a. Nick Cancelmo? I think Nick it's Cancelmo. Cancelmo, okay. Um, oh, for Jeff and Craig, um, what made you decide to use the stock removal method uh, for your professional knife making? And he also says, P.S., congratulations on the Makery Network and Full Blast, which is Jeff's podcast. Um, thank you for such quality content. And you know what? I've got to say, this week, the content on the Makery uh, Network, the, the bunch of podcasts that, that, that we've been put out, are it's been incredible, absolutely incredible. So um, I know it's easy for me to say that because, you know, it's it's part of what I do. But honestly, the the content I've been listening to has just been incredible. So um, it start, starts with, with Jeremy's show, uh, Simple Little Life. Um, he's just like an amazing storyteller. But then the guys at um, Handmade, so uh, Chris Seppieri, Paul Pinto, and Derek from Malden, um, they've only just literally started the podcast, what, two weeks ago. And they've just got like a brilliant relationship, the three of you. You can tell they're really good mates. You know, they, they, they've got lots of jokes between them and so on. Really, it's just a really good listen. So that was Wednesday. And it was just like, wow, that was amazing. That was like, you know, hour and a half or whatever. And it was just like, geez, brilliant. Then on Thursday, um, Work For It came out, which is Brian House's, uh, again, a brand new podcast. But it's like he's been doing it for years. Um, he had this this brilliant guest on, um, and they were talking about sort of creativity, that kind of thing. Um, and it, and it was um, the person who does the auspicious uh, travails uh, YouTube channel, which I didn't know about, but since then I've gone and I've been. You know, they work for Apple and they do like all this amazing creative creative work. So that was good. And then on Friday, Jeff put out a full blast as well, which was you know entertaining. They're always good to listen to. So it's just been I've been amazed by. You know, these new podcasts that have started, um, they've just hit the ground running. And, yeah, they've just been really, really impressive. And, and as you know, I've, I'm genuine fans of the shows. It's not just a case of, you know, I'm putting them out because they're on the Makery Network. If they weren't, I'd be listening. They're, they're, they're incredible. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just the... I'm the record label guy. These guys are the rock stars, you know, and honestly, it's amazing, amazing content. So, yeah, make sure you go take a look at makery.network and, and take a look at the, at the at the shows. There's a bunch of them um, and subscribe to the ones you like. And Nick is uh, he actually heard my last episode where I was bitching about this, my theme song for the Full Blast <laughs> podcast. And he got his band together and they made a brand new stinger like over the nice. weekend. He said, you don't like it here? Try this. And it's great. And uh, thanks to Nick for and his band. I think it's like called them. They're called the the band is called the Miraculous Liars. I think that's the name of it. They did a new the new theme song for. <laughs> you know, I, I like to bitch, but I don't realize that people are actually going to solve my problems for me. So, so <laughs> I was kind of hoping I could bitch for a while, but he's solved my problems in less than one week of episode. So, and shout out to so Damascus Dave for giving me a great story to tell crazy story the dave cordilla sent me a crazy story that i put on the last podcast it's totally crazy and it's definitely worth a listen because dave is like is very mild-mannered and very quiet and this story is nuts so there you go radio tease 
Okay. So he's also asked, um, why stock removal? Uh, why, why for you, Jeff? Why, why stock removal as opposed to forging? Because you, you know, you got a background in, in blacksmithing and and forging stuff anyway. Why stock removal? Well, the first ten or fifteen knives I made were all forged. They're all forged hunting knives. And then when I started to sell them, uh, people were like, who had no experience in buying blacksmithing stuff. They're like, why does it look so rough? Why does it? What is it like? A caveman made that? And I, I and then I was talking to a friend of mine, John Ledford, and we're just like, what if we just buy the steel? And just do the carve. Just you know, I didn't even know stock removal was a word. And then I was like, you know, I could get a crispier looking knife if I just buy the steel direct, or just grind the steel because we were buying the steel direct. And then I was just like, and then it was like something that my customers were kind of more accustomed to because you know, they're, most of my customers are first time knife makers, so they were you know buying you know whatever Victor Victor Knox knives and. And, um, you know, swilling knives. And when I started to do the stock removal knife, it was something that they could envision that, oh, I understand why this is the not, they weren't like, oh, this forge scale is, is something I, you're telling me I have to have, but I don't want it. You know, so that I started doing the stock removal for that reason. And then it'd be, and also it was, it was faster to, to knock the knives out. Did you say Victor Knox knives? Victor Knox, right? Victor Knox? Victorionix. It's not Victorionics. It doesn't even spell like Victorionics. Jesus. It doesn't even spell like Victorionics. It's Victorinox. Victorinox. Okay. We'll go with that. Okay. So many different um, things. Oh, I have, yeah. I have a question. Speaking of which, I'm sorry to interrupt. There's an expression in, uh, in in British slang called the ump. What's the ump? Like, he's got the ump. What does that mean? What do you got, it's the ump? The, yeah, the hump. It's, it's just dropping the H from hump. What is the fucking hump? Um, He's got the hump. So you know when you've got the hump, no. you're just like, oh, this. You've got to be in your bonnet. You, you know, yeah, you, you, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's maybe oh, a Quasimodo look thing. At you, you know, you when got the he hump. had the, the, the hump on his back, and he was always like, he's always like that, uh, unhappy. Um, you've got the hump. Yeah, you've got the yeah, hump. Yeah, <laughs> that petered out fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, why me? Um, why um, stock removal? Um, simply because I didn't know anybody making knives. Um, I, you know, I was doing software and web stuff for you know for most you know most of my sort of adult life. Um, and we were, we were doing a, I was doing a bunch of things. We had like a publishing company, and and part of that was having these like events and stuff that we do as well. And one of the events was, um, it, we called it summer camp, and it was just to take people out into the woods, away from their screens, and hopefully we'd all learn something. And we had somebody there teaching us how to carve spoons. Um, so, you know, and I loved it. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. I, I love doing this. Um, so then you get home, and, you know, you're looking on YouTube, for, you know, for other people doing it, and, you know, pick up some tips. Um, and then I come across people making knife handles, and they were taking, they were buying, like, Mora blades, you know, like the blanks. Morris and they put their own handles on and that kind of thing. So I was like, "Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a knife." You know, in my mind, I was making a knife, but essentially, I was buying a <laughs> buying a blank and sticking a handle on it. Um, and you know, and it all progresses from there. So it's just like, "Okay, I, I put a handle on this Mora. That's that's nice." You know, and then he's like, "I wonder if I can make a blade." And you look on YouTube, and there's people making blades, and you're just like, "Whoa, okay." And I I think it was a Walter Sorrell's video that I saw that made me think, "Oh, right, okay. I think I could make make a make a knife." You know, but buy the steel and, and do everything I need to make the knife. Um, and, and that was it, really. And that's all I've ever done then. So I've, I've never, ever forged a knife. Um, everything I've done has always been stock removal. 
Um, and, I, and simply because <laughs> I don't have the skills. You know, I don't have a, a you know a blacksmithing background or anything like that at all. Um, I've I've only ever um, done stock removal knives. Um, and and part of that is not having the skills, but also the the ability to you know to to, to make money as as a business. Um, if I you know wanted to try and learn to, to to forge a knife and then sell the knife, first of all, it would take me years to make a knife which I think would be acceptable to sell. Um, and then you know you, you got to get a sort of reputation to sell these things then as well. And because you know if, if you put in you know thirty, forty, fifty, even plus hours into a knife. If you're making any profit, you need to sell it at, at, at a fair whack, um, which I wouldn't be able to do. So, you know, it's it's, it's twofold for me. It's, it's, it's not having the skills um, and not seeing how I could make it sort of financially viable for me. Um, but, you know, everybody's got their everybody's got their lane. Everybody, you know, I do something very different to what Jeff does. Jeff does something very different to what Moreco does. Um, and, yeah, every everybody has their their own sort of style and, and that kind of thing. So... Yeah, that that that's my thing. That's why I do I do stock removal because I because I can't do anything else. You want to anything to add? You want to do beefs and get the fuck out of here? Am I not supposed do to say we? that? It's been it's been over two hours. Yeah, shall we do beefs? Let's have a look. Have you got a beef? Let's have a good beef. Okay. We got beef. Beefs are the time where we bitch and moan about something that's gotten our gotten the given us the ump <laughs> we've been given the ump and this is our way of expressing our displeasure Morocco, do you have any can i, can I just can i interrupt please, you for just a second please. um i'm just wondering where you guys get your sandpaper <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the ump speaking of the ump ah <laughs> uh, uh, Geez, we, yeah, sorry, we, we didn't schedule in this. We've been doing um, quizzes and so on. Um, sandpaper, we all need sandpaper. We use sandpaper every day, um, and it makes sense to use the best sandpaper available. So we all use um, Rhino Wet by Indasa. Um, they're Indasa USA on Instagram. I think it's actually made in, it made in Portugal, and maybe Indasa USA are distributors. I'm not quite sure. But it's, it's the best paper. It's, you know, it saves you time, and if it saves you time, it saves you money. Uh, and we can also save you more money by going to Texas Farrier Supply, where you can buy your Rhino Wet, and you can get ten percent off if you use Knife Talk ten. But as well as as sandpaper, they sell lots of other stuff for for a knife maker. So go take a look at TexasFarriersupply.com. Remember to use Knife Talk ten, and you'll get ten percent off your full order. So go take a look. Where were we? <laughs> we got beef. Mareko, what gives you the ump? The ump. Uh, ch -ch -ch. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really think of anything, actually, right now. Give me a second. Maybe I can think of something. Okay, all right. Craig, you got anything Is grinding your gears? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, the Makery has its own Instagram channel. Um, and I've just been inundated with, like, people atting the Makery. <laughs> And I think what, what people are doing, they are maybe making like a, a list in their, in their notes of, of like hashtags and people they want to add in every single post that they do. So they can just paste it into the bottom of any, of any post that they do on Instagram. And they're just like not relevant at all. But like, you know, I open up my phone and there's maybe like 20, 30 notifications. You're like, oh, let's have a look. 
and none of them are relevant. You know, there's there's people, you know, taking their kids to the park and they're at in the Makery Network or at in Knife Talk. And it's just like, what are you, what are you doing? I just think, yeah, people, get, put some thought into any posts that you put out there, yeah. especially if you're tagging others because, you know, you're taking time off them or take time off their family as well. You just, yeah, yeah give it some thought. A man. lot of people tag. A lot of people like to yeah. tag. Part of me Don't. wonders if there's some like bad information out there that people think if they tag other makers, either in the comments or actually in the picture, that that's somehow going to draw more followers and mm, views to doesn't. their posts. But it, that is not how it works at all. It yeah. does not work. Sometimes I anything, can sort of understand. Like Craig's saying, it's sort of understand. <laughs> sort of understand when people may be at knife talking to things, you know, but. If it's not relevant, it's just a massive time suck. Mm. Um, and I know not, you know, I'm, I'm moaning about something really trivial, so maybe I should moan about it. But it's just a little something that grinds my gears. That's mm. all. I, I see it though. I, I get tagged in pictures, and there's like 50 other people tagged in the picture. I'm like, what the fuck does this person mm. think they're doing? And what is yeah. what is your what is your normal response to being tagged? I untag myself, actually. Thank God you can do that. And? And then I usually block the person. <laughs> I, I have been told that you, Dave, I think that I, I think that Mareko blocked me. I think I've tagged him too many times. <laughs> I've gotten a few people to say, you can, you can put in a good word. I'm like, no, 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 that's not for, I don't, you know, no, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not gonna tell. But it's been more than one person to tell me, I think Mareko kind of blocked me. Do you think you could put in a good word? I'm like, nah, you're on your own, dude. I, I don't, he, that's the, I don't, you know, I don't, this is not an appeals court, you know, I, if he wants to, you know, block you, you block you, I'm not going to beg him. So, I mean, if you think about yeah. it, effectively, they're spamming you. They're saying, yeah. look at my yeah. thing. I think it might bring me more attention. So, and also, hopefully, uh, somehow this means more people are going to follow me. So do me a favor. Don't block him. I mean, don't tag him because he's going to block you and then come to me asking me if I'll put in a good word for you. So <laughs> That's like a triple time suck. That's a, that's yeah, you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree because I'm – leave me alone. So funny. Well, yeah. I have uh, – there is – the outside of our, our house, they redid the driveway uh, – the, the, they redid the road uh, like a couple years ago. But for some reason, there there's this giant pothole that's developed in front of our house, like giant pothole. This it's at least four inches, three to four inches deep, and that's big. And recently, we started to notice that people were hitting it hard. You know, it, hitting it really hard. And one, the only reason why we heard is because we heard someone hit it and yell "puta" really loud. Puta. <laughs> Put, put, so we started calling it puta. And so anytime somebody would hit the, so puta in Spanish is whore. So, so, so somebody, it's a whore. Hole. So somebody, somebody's driving, boom, puta. You know, so it was like, so we're, so I'm leaving messages with the Department of Public Works saying there's people are hitting this pothole, fucking their cars up and screaming whore. <laughs> when they drive past our house all the time, but it's like every single time we drive, we saw a woman. She had a very uh, her her tires were very low to the rims, like you know, very stylish, like you know, whatever. She hit Puta so hard, her her car started to change. The sound started. She fucked the whole car up. 
The puta oh, fucked God. her whole car. So our whole family, every time somebody hears somebody hit the, we're in their house. You can hear when somebody hits the pothole. It's loud as fuck. So every time, it doesn't matter what floor we're all on, we all yell puta. My kid, my wife, we're all yelling puta every single time someone hits it because we all know what happened. So the Department of Public Works, you got to do something because we're tired of screaming in our house puta. You must have an in there. I, you know what? The, the police you know, the, chief and so on. You must have no, an no, in. no, no, no. The Department of Public Works. And the, I was so arrogant because I've had good conversations with people at Public Works, but because of the coronavirus, no one's in the office, so they're, they're all at home. And so I said to my daughter, "It's like I'm going to leave a message that they're going to have to get me back." And I made it. I was making jokes and please, you know, it's like a jacuzzi for squirrels and it's this giant pothole. And my and every day, and I was so arrogant. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll call me right back." So every day now, my wife is just like, oh, did did they call you back? I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Mr. Message, you did such a great job with your message. Oh, Mr. Message. So, yeah, the the puta hole is still there. So, But it is it is pretty funny if you're in our house and someone, the big boom, we always know what it is. We all yell, puta. Just... <laughs> so, uh, what have you got, Morocco? Any beefs? Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing I can really think of right now is uh, at, at the end of – where I live is on a, uh, in this neighborhood where there's lots of streets that cross through from this one main drag to kind of like this. This isn't a traffic <laughs> one again. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is to a side street. And for whatever reason, the street that we live on is the only dead end. And but it, and it's got a sign out on the out on the street that says dead end. But it's so close to the edge of road. There are a lot, tons of people that miss it. And we live at the very end of the dead end. And it's our driveway that everybody uses to turn around all hours of the fucking night and day. It's ridiculous. And it's so obnoxious. And so I'm, I'm going to, I'm thinking about trying to either paint or put up some signs that say this, this road is a dead end. No, seriously, it's a dead end. And then at the very end, put a sign that says, see, it's a dead end. Turn around. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's just, oh, yeah. it's super annoying because, yeah. Well, what's crazy is people think they're cutting through. And so they're, they're like, they're running late. And so they're raced through down this dead end. And then they hit the end and they're probably like, what the fuck? There's no through. Yeah. So then they turn around and they squeal their tires, getting their asses out of there. We and this shit's happening at like one o'clock in the fucking morning. You clearly need a puta. So that people yeah. can fucking punish them with a fucking puta, puta. So every time yeah. they hit it, they'll fuck their tire up and they'll never make that mistake again. Puta hole. Yeah, I need a puta yep. hole. Puta hole. Okay. <laughs> We're two hour, ten minutes in. Jesus. What's the dream for the week? Where do you want to be this time next week? What's, yeah, what's the ideal situation? Let's start with Jeff. Um, the weather's been really nice the past two days, and I'm really hoping that that's the case. It stays that way. Um, I just hope for more, you know, I hope for more societal dialogue and we, uh, get to the point where we're able to see each other and talk to each other like normal people and not fray into these, uh, different factions. It's just becoming, it's just becoming gross and it's tiring and exhausting so that's what i hope for and starting some new things and i'm waiting for my new uh pump 
my new chamber. I'm gonna, I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel, I feel, you know, whatever. I'm looking forward to this week. Boom. Yeah. Marekko. Well, I'm hoping that everything with this new uh, spacer concept goes really smoothly and I don't have to start over again on the handle. Um, and other than that, I'm looking forward to eating some delicious ice cream. More ice cream. Mm. Yeah, boy. What nice. flavors are on the menu? We could try that next. What am I going to try? Oh, there's one that's a, uh, a backyard mint. And we have some lemon balm growing at my in-laws. So I'm going to grab a couple handfuls of that. And What's lemon some... balm? It's like mint, but it's oh. got a lemony, lemony flavor to it. There you go. Yeah. I'm hoping for a bath this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we've been living here for nearly three years now. Um, and we've never had a bath here. So, um, yeah, things are being done finally. Um, because at the moment, it's a case of every time we go back to the UK, it's like we normally stay at like a family member's house or whatever. It's like, can I use your bath? Can I use your bath? You know, because I missed one so much. So, yeah. Really? Hopefully you can have a bath. Oh, You yeah. like a bath over Love a shower? It. Oh, easily, easily. I can spend a good hour and a half. I can put a film on. I'll, yeah, get the camera. Are you up. out of your fucking mind? You're kidding me? Uh, fully into it. Fully into it. <laughs> that is the most, that, I'm stunned. I'm, it doesn't disgust you that you're like swimming around in your own swill and filth? Well, I'm generally pretty clean. I don't get in like filthy. You know, I'm generally but pretty you're like, clean. Weird. You know, I shower every day. Uh, you know. Oh, so you shower and then you take a bath after you take a shower? No, no, no. In that case, no. In that case, Look no. at you. So I bet I, I sh- I- Aquaman. <laughs> shower every morning. And if we had a bath, I'd bath in the Are you kidding? Yeah, so that's to relax? You get all naked and get in the bathtub? Yeah, completely. Completely. Really? Yeah. You take a you take a shower in the morning and a bath at night. Yeah, that's that's yeah. relaxation to you. Yeah, I like it. I I think like it's a hot tub. yeah, it is. You just relax. Like I said, take a laptop in and watch a film, I, a glass of wine. I'm and the, I'm know, dumbfounded just, at this. I'm dumbfounded. It's an escape escape from the world. You just yeah, like you never right. swam in a swimming pool or, or sat Look, in a hot tub. I I don't. I, Not I only is that your filth, it's other people's. <laughs> I don't. Well, yeah. I don't. Hot tubs don't are a like, different level. There. I don't like any of it. It's dirty sex soup. That all is. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Huh. But I mean, I don't even want to sit in the bathtub because I know other people's feet have been in it. Oh Jesus! I mean, it's like, and you pee in the bath. Don't soap, you pee right? in the bathtub? Don't you pee in the? <laughs> When you oh, take a, when you take a shower, I'm not a Victorian. <laughs> when you take a shower, you don't you don't take a leak in the in the you don't take a leak in the shower. Oh man, I'm a civilized human being. <laughs> Apparently, Jesus. you. Know, I mean, I don't anymore. <laughs> I used to. My dad used to say when I was a kid, you know, you could if you're taking a shower, you can pee in the pee in the just pee in the shower. It's fine. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, I'm just like people are actually sitting, and I'm like, I just peed on that fucking thing. Don't do that. <laughs> Look at you, Frosty Lockwood. He's sitting there with his movies on. He got the candles going, watching no, movies lu- and luxury Lockwood. Luxury Lockwood. Simple pleasures. That's all it is. Simple pleasures. That's it. Obviously. That's the show. Over two hours this week. We're getting longer and longer oh, each week. I, want, I, I gotta speak Christ. to management about that. It's that double pump action. <laughs> it is, yeah. Right. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, go take a look at our previous shows on makery.network. Um, 
If you've got any questions for us, remember you can contact us. Contact, contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. Yeah, don't tag us. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah, do not tag uh, Marek. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, you can. I mean, that's a one-way <laughs> ticket to being blocked. Bye. No. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you for listening, and we shall speak to you all very, very soon. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.